previously on Phone Booth Fighting. Did you guys see that the UFC signed Greg Hardy, the yeah. football player that with the history of domestic abuse? I like I had a spate with domestic violence before I moved out here to Vegas. That's actually oh, why yeah. I moved to Vegas. Okay. Um, I had my fiance at the time arrested on one count of attempted murder and two counts of assault. Yeah. Um, and I know for a fact he's done that to women before me. And I have I know for a fact he's done it to women since me. Yeah. And I have no doubt that he's going to continue doing that. Yeah. You know, and he didn't get convicted. He got a, a 15 month suspended sentence, still allowed to leave the country. He lives in Texas now. He's from Australia. They didn't mm. take his passport, nothing. I think mm. he got a small fine. That mm. was it. And they gave him his second chance. And I am a firm believer in that. Someone who is capable of going as far as he went with me. And I know he's been further with other women before I met him. He's not going to change. You know, he can do all the convincing and and all the lying in the world. And he can convince you that he's a really good person. But who he is at its core is someone who is capable and willing to do stuff like that. You know, so I don't, I am very against him being signed. I'm very against Greg being signed because I don't believe that people like that change. From the Bent Pixel Studios in Las Vegas, Nevada, this is Phone Booth Fighting, a twice weekly and absolutely free podcast covering the world of mixed martial arts. Figure out what the song is. <laughs> Well, I'm playing with my new toy here, Frank. This is, uh, I brought a turntable into the studio. This is the second week I've had it, but uh, you weren't here uh, last time. Uh, You were overseas. This is an instrumental called Panic by Lloyd Green off of my Hillbillies in Hell album. I got it record store day. It's pretty fun, right? Yeah, I really like it. Yeah. So we have a real live turntable in the studio now. I can be a real live DJ. Mixing the music, and, uh, you know, we're an oral medium, but uh, I figure uh, at least on the ins and the outs, we'll, we'll play a little, uh, few selections from my, uh, from my vinyl catalog. How about that? Maybe I'll even let you have a turn over here one of these days. Would you know? Would you know, Frank? How to fucking even turn that thing on? Yeah. Not zero instructions. Zero. Yeah. Do you, okay, I'm just assuming from watching a TV, mm-hmm. the needle starts on the outside. Mm-hmm. But how do you pick, like, I mean, so, like, you just randomly select a song or, like? Mm-mm. So if you look really, I'll pass the uh, record over to you. By the way, if you're watching on our uh, phone, Do you know fighting, this is the first time I've ever touched a record? Is that right? I swear first to God. First time you've ever handled vinyl. If you're watching on our Phone Booth Fighting YouTube channel, uh, you can see this. This actually, this is no uh, ordinary uh, vinyl record. This is uh, actually done on this very cool like uh, red and yellow, uh, like splatter pattern. And most of them are black. Most of them are, yeah, yeah. But uh, take that, and what you'll see is if you look at the grooves, like almost like the rings oh, okay, on yeah, a yeah, tree, yeah. where you see the real distinction in the grooves, right? that's the beginning of a song. Okay. Yeah. So what you would do is you would count. Let's say you wanted to play the third song on that side. Count the rings. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. That's not as hard as I thought it was going to be. Yep. And uh, that's how you'd play it. Yeah. You ever look at shit and just go, how the fuck did we ever invent that? Like, Mm -hmm. how did we get to this point where somebody figured out that grooves in a disc could make noise? Yeah. Yeah. I know. Or record noise, you know what I mean? Because you have to somehow carve those grooves into there with a needle, I'm assuming, and somehow... Yeah, I know. I mean, and even even though the technology now is, you know, so far 
superior with digital uh, media and everything in a way even though it's better technology it's kind of less impressive in a in a tangible sense because it's you can't hold it you know it's just kind of in the ether like this you can actually yeah. hold and talk about like you were saying and, and kind of appreciate with uh with the naked eye which kind of explains i think a big you know part of the resurgence in vinyl what's that as far as like uh you know comic book folklore or just you just like there's a whole genre you know like you know i like a lot of fantasy stuff mm-hmm. i like you know the, the um, eye of the world you know robert jordan type books wheel of time you know uh you know a lot of fantasy kind of thing mm-hmm. like you know uh, you know uh, lord of the rings type shit mm-hmm. right um but there's a whole genre called steampunk oh yeah yeah that's probably right up your alley. I would imagine yeah. you would like that. Type I, of stuff. I know. Yeah, I know the term yeah. steampunk. I, I, I don't really read means. a lot of comic books or yeah. uh, or graphic novels on that genre, no. I, but I do like a lot of the times that you see it a lot of uh, Japanese animation, a lot of manga, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really yeah. dive into it. And yeah. there, I find it interesting. Yeah. See, there we we uh, we discover new things all the time on this show. Well, we're gonna have to uh, uh, maybe not today, but uh, I'll, I'll I'll bring up a record that we can afford to damage. And then uh, we'll have. Uh, I just figured out Frank. that's something you know. I watch a lot of Japanese animation, right? Mm-hmm. That's something we don't because you said you know you bring up on the show things you talk about. Yeah. Japanese animation. Okay, all right. That's something uh, you, we need to have you ever watched into. any? Not really. Oh, okay, so you're introducing me to music. Yeah. The next time you're at my house, I'll show you some. Uh, we'll start off with a couple of you know. My the first one I ever watched that caught me as a kid was uh, Ninja Scroll. Like that's the. Okay. I, I think most people that watch animation, everybody, that's like one of those that instantly, like, yeah, everybody's seen that one. Yeah. Okay. All right. Some well, you can a little bit of a uh, little bit of phone booth fighting homework. What we'll do is we'll we'll plan on what it is we're going to mutually explore. Do you know I actually call Cage Jube all the time? Well, you never watched the movie. Uh-huh. We'll watch the movie first. And Sounds then... anti-Semitic. <laughs> Jube. Jube means ten. Oh. In a uh, uh, in a. Uh, uh, Japanese. Oh yeah, and so uh, one of the guys named Jube Kimagame is one of the guys' names, uh-huh. the character, you know, and uh, it actually means like the, it means ten. Well, Cage, uh, because you know, I was trained by a guy that his wife was from Japan when I first started learning like uh, uh, Kyoshin karate and stuff, yeah. and um, uh, explained to me that Jube, the ten word means because Cage is the uh, you know if you have like a tenth son you can name him Jube, yeah. or Cage is born October tenth. So because it's ten ten, I call him Jube sometimes. Is a is his little nickname around the house. Good lord! If you have a tenth son, oh boy! Yeah, if right. you got ten kids, no no wonder you're running out of names. Hey man, that was pre uh, birth control back in yeah. the day. You know, I mean, and hey, the more warriors you had, the better. So yeah, breed them. I suppose so. All right, we've got uh, Alima Lay McFarland coming up uh, here shortly, uh, Bellator Women's Featherweight Champion. She's going to be joining us. Uh, she's got a big title defense coming up on uh, the Paramount Network at uh, Bellator 201, is it? I believe we're at 201. Um, and uh, also my buddy Gooch uh, is going to be uh, stepping in the studio here in just a bit, a, uh, a guy that I do uh, comedy with. And uh, he's speaking of DJs. He's an actual DJ at an actual radio station, like I used to be. I mean, it's a. Uh, I mean, there. But even when you did it, you probably did it off a laptop, right? Uh, yeah. Well, I was a talk. I mean, I'm a talk radio host, so I don't. Did even, you ever like play played, songs at all? I've never even played music. Oh. See, he's a guy who actually plays music. But yeah, I mean, he's he's doing it digitally now. So well, I mean, you got paid just to talk the whole time. Yeah, I talk. I don't for, see you doing that very easily. <laughs> <laughs> I talk for four hours a night, five days a week by yourself. Yep. 
Fuck. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not nearly as bad as I used to be about dragging out. I'll still drag out a story on you, but I used to. It's so weird because the comedy and then the talk are the complete opposite ends of the spectrum. Whereas on a talk show, you have to bring up a two-minute topic and make it last for the length between a commercial, right. right? Yes. And then here a comedy show, you got to get a, a 10 or 15-minute conversation, break it down into a 45-second to a minute-and-a-half set to where just, okay, bring yes. it up, punch it out, go. So do you know that that is both the yin and the yang of, of radio to comedy? Because on the upside, when I started comedy, I felt like I had an advantage in, I was totally comfortable talking in front of people. Right. No problem. I could totally fill the time. No problem. But the challenge was editing because exactly yeah. like you just said, 10 minutes is a whole set, not a segment with one story like it right. is in talk radio. So I really had to learn to edit uh, down, down, Five down. days a week. Because you know me, I'm a moody motherfucker. Yeah. I, I really have learned that about myself in my, as I'm getting older. Mm-hmm. There are some days, I'm sure our listeners at home can tell, uh-huh. there are some days that you hear me and I'm on, I'm flying, yeah. I won't shut the fuck up. Yeah. But there's some times where you're just talking and I'm like, yep. Yeah. Uh-huh. I have a good yeah. feeling about tonight, by the way. You yeah. seem on. Yeah. You can always tell what the monster drinks. Oh, is that That's what That's usually it is? a okay. big indicator. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when you see me bring in two energy drinks, yeah. <laughs> it's going to be a good no, night. No, that's very true. You got to be on every. I, I don't think I can do that consistently. I don't every think day, every night, there's yeah. times I don't talk to my wife for a yeah. day at a time. You know, we'll just be sitting in a car. And I, actually, she just pointed this out. My kids pointed this out to me because they do it too. Is it like. Do you realize that you'll drive in a car with me and I won't talk for like an hour? Mm-hmm. But that's because I talk in my own mind all the time. I'm having all these conversations, breaking down techniques and movements and going, okay, well, you know, really the f- change levels exposes the back of the ear on this maneuver and you come up and, but oh shit, you know what? But Quint does it really well and then he shifts up into a left. And I'll have this whole conversation and not realize that I'm not saying anything and you're sitting next to me and I feel really bad. Yeah. And well, you've driven with me. So you probably have experienced this a couple times. Where I'm just staring off into no man's land. Sure. And, and that's fine as long as we're not on the air. Yeah. But when you're on the air, you it, 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 that's interesting, too, because you also develop a skill of whether you have like a co-host or there's a guest on or something like that. You develop a skill of listening to what that other person is saying, but at the same time, queuing up in your head what you're going to say after they stop talking. Because I, you can't that have is the so dead hard air. to do for me. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you probably deal with that a little bit with broadcasting and things like that. But you know the advantage of broadcasting? It's fast. Mm-hmm. Because fights are fast. Mm-hmm. You know, changing positions and movements and punches and kicks are going. Mm-hmm. So I think because my brain, and even sometimes to the point where I've learned how to speak slower. Mm-hmm. I, I'm almost like that guy from fucking, you know, when I get excited, I, I can speak extremely quick. I write fast. Like, my brain just works at a different speed probably than the average person's mm-hmm. tempo. So when I'm calling fights, it's to a huge advantage there. Uh, but sometimes I've noticed in the comedy area, it actually fucking kills me. Mm-hmm. Like it's taken me so long to learn how to speak slower. You yeah. know, like right now, just to you know, to slow down my thought process, to come up to the point of what I'm trying to say. Like I have to deliberately think slow down. And if I get excited, I'm sure you've heard me like all of a sudden I'll like, I just fucking – I rip on. That's true because, and and that's that's uh, you'll you'll be better because of it because with your comedy, the crowd really reacts to your facial expressions and your gestures and yeah, things like that. And sometimes you got to let those breathe. Right. You know, you can't power through them real fast. Yeah, with yeah. the timing and and mm-hmm. uh, well, there's another word I was looking for on that. Just you're right, just letting it happen in rhythm. Yeah, 
Yep, absolutely. Uh, you heard there at the beginning of the show, uh, Jessica Rose Clark, who uh, was on our last episode, who has a big fight coming up uh, Saturday in Singapore against Jessica I on the main card of uh, the uh, fight card that's headlined by Donald Cowboy Cerrone. You were uh, overseas, Frank. You joined us on Skype for, for part of that show. But we started talking about uh, the UFC signing Greg, Greg Hardy. <laughs> oh, what did I say? I was trying to think where I was. Where you were. Yeah, you were in Australia, so we got an Australian on to sit in your seat. Yeah, was, two Australians. That's right. Yeah, it was kind of weird the way we did that. Yeah. But uh, we started talking about the UFC uh, putting Greg Hardy on the Tuesday Night Contender Series on Fight Pass and then giving him, I guess, what's basically a development deal he's going to have an, another shot uh in some capacity in the ufc that's for certain um and so i presented the topic and jessica rose clark you you heard a clip of it there at the beginning of the show but if you somehow missed our last episode go back and listen to this at least the portion where she talks about this topic because um it's on our phone booth fighting youtube channel if you want to watch just that clip but she was very opinionated about it. She went into her own uh, personal history with domestic abuse, being the, the victim of domestic abuse. If you don't know the story, Greg Hardy, uh, a couple of years back when he was playing for the Carolina Panthers in the NFL, was charged and convicted with uh, violently assaulting his uh, ex-girlfriend. It was uh, expunged from his record on appeal because she basically disappeared. She wouldn't show up to testify, uh, so it didn't <laughs> ultimately end up on his record. But uh, he was he was found guilty of Either that. Pretty bad, from what I understand, right? Real bad. Pictures. I mean, but I mean, it the was guy ugly. is a full-blown NFL guy. I mean. Right. Right. <laughs> and so uh, I I just will say this: um, we have been getting, and I we I mean Jessica to, to her credit has been getting a. Uh, a, a ton of attention for this because, and I really got to hand this to her. You I know, respect that too. Let me tell you, I I was going to bring up. I knew she had the story from a few years back right, with an ex boyfriend tattoo face. Yeah, it was it was in the news. But the thing is, I wasn't going to just preemptively ask her about it. You, you know, I was Hawani. No, no. I mean, well, I mean, if she wanted to get into it, awesome, right. which she did. Right. But I just brought up the Greg Hardy aspect of it. I thought if she didn't want to go any further with yeah. it, we just talk about that. You expose it. You open it. She wanted to bite. Not only did she go into it, but, you know, she called out the UFC, her employer, her boss, for signing Greg Hardy and, and taking exception to the fact that they did. And you got to give a lot of credit there, too, because no, while she's an up-and-coming star, it's not like she's a pay-per-view headliner just yet, you know? No, I mean, they have it, and they can work it through with your contract that you have with the UFC. Uh, signed for many years under the UFC. Mm -hmm. um, you know, a lot of the clauses, the moral clauses, and, you know, the, the conduct clause to where if you act inappropriately, you know, if you go and <sighs> I get drunk at a party and I just start throwing shit around and I'm in the newspaper for just, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know misappropriate behavior, those are grounds that I could be released, you know. Mm -hmm. So disparaging comments, I mean, it's not hard for the UFC to release a person. You know, they can, you know, the, the contracts are extremely one-sided. Yeah. You know, it's, it, it's damn near impossible for you to break it. But, I mean, if they want to get rid of you, it's not difficult. So, well, I mean, the fact that she had the, you know, the, you know, 
I don't know if I would do that. I mean, there's times where I mean, I've had some opinions about people that if they sign my checks, I got to be honest. I'm not screaming to go ahead and fucking you know shout down at the top of the mountains at their uh, dismay. You know, my career would have gone a lot farther if I'd keep in my mouth shut. That's that's come up a time or two. Sometimes you have to think that. I mean, you know, well, you know, as a father, I got to think. You know, okay, shit. You know, I think this way, but if I say something, I mean, you know, times of you know, it's like. Mm Fuck, I got, you know, I got kids yeah. to feed, you know what I mean? <laughs> she's a real deal, man. And, I mean, you know, we've, we've had her on the show twice now, and she's tremendously popular. I've talked about all that. I know you guys love she's hella cool. having her on. But she really is a very cool person. I've just gotten to know her, you know, especially since we did that episode last week, and she was communicating with me about the coverage it was getting and things like that. She was really, I think, heartened and encouraged to see – not only the response that she was getting, but the overwhelmingly positive response. Because she was actually uh, uh, goes and and uh, uh, George on MMA Junkie asked her about it a few days ago. She was on with them, and uh, she had said that you know she she I mean ninety nine point nine percent was just positive response for her speaking out. And uh, like I said, that's not I an think easy people thing respect to do. People that have balls. I agree. I agree. <laughs> and it it, uh, it it was a genuine sentiment. So so credit to her. But you and I really didn't get a chance to to talk about that because that was not the segment you were on with us uh, via Skype. So no, I had to go throw water in some twelve year old's face. Yeah, that's right. That's yeah. right. Turned out pretty funny. Okay, good. Well, I mean, it sounds as soon as hilarious. we get up on video for the I can I will sure. found uh, fun. Uh, uh, you know, campaign. Uh, they're gonna, you know, as soon as they air it on their channel, we'll, we'll have a clip. Yeah, yeah, we'll hopefully put it through to our even a link on our. We'll watch our, a little bit. Okay, you'll see it. Well, I, I'll, I'll maybe just ask you your thoughts from this standpoint. Go wherever you want to with it, but I don't. To me, especially now, especially at this time where we're at with a, a renewed focus on abuse of women and things like that, you know, in the public eye, and as I think is rightfully so um i don't get the ufc doing this right yeah. now because it's not like mm. it's not even like somebody that's already got a big name in mma or somebody who's a, a jam not that that would be an excuse but i don't even well it's understandable if you sit there and go well this person is a you know like cm punk where you're like well the guys guarantee us eight hundred thousand pay-per-view buys yeah, if we put like his name that. on a marquee yeah uh, so I get what you're saying. Monetarily, you know, I don't think a lot of MMA fans are clamoring or NFL fans are going to clamor to to click the tube, to, you know, the channel to turn on a Greg Hardy fight. Uh, I have many ideas on it. Um, one, I, you know, I guess the first concept is just the idea of redemption. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, did he make a mistake by attacking his girl? Well, yeah, and, and I want to get into that further, you know, as we, we discuss about my thoughts on, you know, uh, being treated equally. Uh, but he committed a crime, you know, and he did something that was inappropriate and, you know, and, and by no means should be respected. It was, it was a horrible thing he did. But uh, if all of us are always judged upon our worst day and never given any opportunities in the future, like, where would we go? You know, people make mistakes all the time. Now, and I understand we can have this argument of varying degrees of mistakes, but, you know, if he screwed up this time and never does it again, and then he's able to turn his life around by training martial arts. I think I had spoken that in the past. It was brought up, you know, would you train with Greg Hardy when this first happened? Someone had mm-hmm. asked me. Yeah, I'm like, absolutely. Why not? This is exactly what somebody like him needs. You know, he's on a football field training against other guys where it's, you know, he's able to bash people and train. Martial arts is extremely humbling experience because there's so much technique involved. 
Greg Hardy can walk into a gym and go roll with a guy who weighs 160 pounds and get choked the fuck out. Mm-hmm. You know, go ahead and box with a guy who's a, a world-class boxer who weighs 160 pounds and slaps the shit out of you. You know what I mean? Like, you know, skill goes a far way. Until you develop that skill, then obviously size will then, you know, come back into equation. And so I think that it could have been good for him in his life, you know? Uh, so I, I don't think taking away the opportunity for him to be a martial artist is necessarily the answer just to boycott him. Um, and by being in the UFC, it allots him to be able to afford that kind of training because otherwise he has to, you know, what other job does he do? How else could he train? I think this lifestyle of being a martial artist, I think it's a good one. I mean, I'm an advocate for it. Why do you think I have my children train? I want to open up gyms because I think other people should go ahead and train and put their children in the world of martial arts. I mean, and essentially that's what we're doing. We're punching other people in the face. Mm-hmm. And 99% of the time, it's people that you really like when you're in the gym training. Yeah. It's your good friends. I mean, you know, I've never been choked out by someone I actually didn't like. They've always been my training partners that I'm friends with that I'd go have a beer with or had dinner with or, or people that have been at my birthday parties or I've been at theirs. And so, uh, you know, I think there becomes a much more understanding of violence and how to to understand it and I think that Greg Hardy I think is kind of a big puppy you know and I think that you know puppies are you know it's like taking that dog too quick from a litter you know you're supposed to keep a dog for about 12 weeks with its mom with the other puppies you know one of the main reasons Bite I'm not awareness. sure where, we can, where we're going. Yeah, okay. well, bite okay. awareness. Yeah. Because puppies bite each other. You know, after about okay. 68 weeks when they start nibbling and biting each other, a puppy will play and they play with each other so they understand the concept of a bite hurts Yeah. because they're being bitten back. Where if you get a puppy too soon, usually all the dogs I know that I've ever had that are biters and you have to train them not to bite, it's because they got taken from the litter too soon. Whereas so I think there's a lot of men out there not necessarily as many women that sometimes I don't think they realize what's on the other side of that punch, what it's like to hit another human being because they're always used to being the alpha. They're always used to being in the dominant position. So I think sometimes it's good to have a healthy respect of what it feels like to get hit back and have an understanding of, okay, not that I believe in zero violence. I, I, anybody that listens to the show, I feel like there are times where violence is absolutely necessary. Um, but on somebody who's smaller and weaker than you, understanding what you're capable of physically doing to them, I think brings a new awareness about it and could help cultivate. I mean, that's why, I mean, you've never seen me in the paper for beating the shit out of some guy in the bar that weighs 140 pounds. Right. I understand what I can do and I've received it. I've been on the receiving end of ass whoopings. And so I know how to, to, to judge that and how not to inflict too much damage or you know not that you get into a fist fight with your girl but i'm just saying i know what it feels like to hit somebody because i've been hit so i think it gives more respect and more understanding where sometimes if someone hasn't really been laid out they don't know what it you know it's almost but, like they don't have it's like the same of those kids that did that one hit or quitter shit a couple years back uh-huh. they're walking up and punching people in the face and knocking them out i'm like I almost guarantee that none of those little bastards have been punched in the face full blast have never probably had an honest one-on-one fight with somebody where it was even and got to feel what it felt like to have someone land a straight right on you. So because of that, that lack of knowledge of what it's like to inflict pain, I think it's easier for your brain to go there physically than somebody else's. I don't think it's a fix-all. I don't think anything else is in life. But but my my point is I think it's a good thing that Greg Hardy trains martial arts. I think that's going to give him a much healthier understanding of violence and when it's appropriate and when it's not. Well, by that logic, though, wouldn't that – couldn't you then say that if a kid gets beaten as a kid, that they understand what it's like to take a punch? 
I don't know that that's necessarily going to keep them from being violent. In fact, a lot of times it's going to no, cause you know them to be violent. I guess you're right there as far as the circle. Or, I mean, well, I have, I have a very close family relative, and they were f- drastically abused as a child. Yeah. And they won't fucking, they wouldn't kick a squirrel. Yeah. So now this is the thing. It's, it's, and this applies Their to. Their spirit's completely broken. Okay, but but what I was going to say is I think that any kind of intensive, abusive situation growing up, a lot of times those people either completely become it or, yeah, they, I guess com- you can, or they completely yeah, go against it. Yeah, you become them. the victim or the victimizer. I guess you're right on that social level. Yeah. I just feel as an adult that it's great. I, I think it's advantageous to understand Mm-hmm. infliction of pain I, I think that's something i mean if you think about it you ever notice that the average mma fighter is really never in the newspaper a lot compared to some of the other Very true. professional sports i mean i may be wrong but i mean and it might just come down to there's more professional football mm-hmm. players than there are mma fighters but i find that it seems like the professional martial artists that are capable of way more damage i mean could you imagine with my skill set if i wanted to hurt my wife if I lost my cool and I'm like, fuck it, I'm going at her. I weigh 265 pounds. I've broken the limbs of other professional fighters. Forget putting her in the hospital. I put her in the morgue. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? And, and yet I've never even done that. I've never even come close to a situation that arises because I have a healthy respect for inflicting damage. I, like, I, I guess I understand it. And yeah. I think that a lot of other martial artists, I mean, you can go down the line, Randy Couture, Tito Ortiz, you know, understand physical violence better because we're martial artists and there's more self-control. I, I agree with that part. And I to go back to your earlier statements, I don't even I, I agree that fine, Greg Hardy, go train MMA or you mm-hmm. know, martial arts somewhere because if nothing else, I know that there's a gym full of people that aren't gonna put up with that kind of shit. Yeah. I mean even and I mean even just doing anything untoward or inappropriate. You get straightened out real quick if you yeah, try something. A gym's like that. a great place to grow but, up in. But there's a difference to me between training MMA and getting to be in the UFC, getting selected by a promotion mm-hmm. to be showcased on a national level because it's this. I don't think that let's say somebody who trains uh, martial arts from you know, at a fairly early age, I don't think that they would otherwise just be women abusers who fortunately they landed in an MMA gym, so they didn't go that route. I think that's the kind of thing, listen, I said this last week, this is one of these things to me that it's, it, to me, it falls in the category of abusing kids, abusing animals, anything that's weaker than you. There's the kind that do and the kind that don't. And if you, the reason you don't do it, Frank, sure, you have, you, you're a martial artist and, and you've, you've been raised the right way and all that kind of stuff where that's concerned. But also your wires are not crossed. Yeah, I guess you're right. I, I consider it a bully mentality. Yeah. And, and let me, let me. But just, if you want to, if that's why we're going to crucify him and not allow him because he's a bully, mm-hmm. I'll stand behind that. I guess where I kind of right now, I'm a little hesitant or I would like the conversation to be brought up. Mm-hmm. And and again, not in a way that I want to. I'm not saying that, you know, it's okay to beat your girl. I think it's not okay to be a bully. Right. So I think that if you're a person of stature, you know, an NFL caliber athlete, if if we're going to condemn Greg Hardy because he beat his girl up, okay, I'm on that page. But that means that 
if the next NFL player beats up his – like my brother, my biological brother, who he – same parents, mother, father. In fact, we look a ton alike, mm-hmm. except for he weighs 145 fucking pounds. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason, my dad had a great night with me, <laughs> and he ran out of ammo, and it came to him three years later. So my you brother use is, that line yeah, on your brother? Yeah, he, he, we don't – we're not really good. <laughs> there's a lot of angst there because of, uh, you know uh-huh. – uh, but you know, he skydives, crazy motherfucker. Psychologically, mm-hmm. very similar. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like very risk taking. You know, both ride motorcycles together. In fact, he was with me on the night that I got hit in 2004. Mm-hmm. We both mm-hmm. riding street bikes. He's a, a dive instructor. He does that squirrel sh- suit shit where he fucking flies and you know, uh, you know, you know, uh, jumps out of planes and, and flies you know several miles down to the target and then pulls his chute. So, anyways, that being said, that if if I beat the fuck out of him. I think that I should be held under the same uh, reparations or same, you know, uh, same standards because I am twice his size and mm-hmm. I'm a skilled martial artist. If we got into a physical argument and now it's a domestic because we're brothers and I beat the shit out of him, I should be held just as accountable and no more, no less if I beat the shit out of my wife. This whole thing about like, well, you, you know, it's a woman. It's never okay to hit a woman. Mm-hmm. I'm like, no, no. I, I want to change the narrative. I want to change where it's never okay to beat the shit out of somebody that that you can overpower. It, the same thing if I beat the shit out yeah. of my child. If I fuck up sure. my kid, you know that to me is just as reprehensible. Uh, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? Reprehensible. Re- reprehensible. Yeah. Thank you, Mike. I think he was about to say rehypnol, which would have been really inappropriate yeah, right here. That's my Friday nights. Yeah. Going yeah. <laughs> so, you know, as an action against my woman, because yeah. then my woman is physically weaker than I am, you know, mm-hmm. which on average, the average, I mean, that's why there's no women in the NFL. Right. Typically speaking, men are much bigger, stronger, faster than a woman. But saying that it's by sex that you can't hit a woman because she's a woman. Well, then it's all like, well, you know, and I only say this because I have a 14 year old daughter. I'm trying to teach her that she's equal in all ways to a man. But then mm-hmm. all of a sudden someone comes along and goes, yeah, but if a man hits you, it's held to a different standard. And then I, I know her, her, she's just as intelligent as I am and not nor the next thought goes, well, if we're different, then we're not equal. Mm-hmm. Then, you know, wait a minute. So hitting me is worse than me hitting him. No, because Isabella is going to be a very dangerous martial artist. And if she abuses the shit out of her boyfriend or husband in the future, who's an untrained man, she's going to be a bully. And I think she should be held under the same standards of beating the fuck out of him that a man would be beating the shit out of his woman if he, you know, could take advantage of her and there's no ability for her to fight back. No, I'm good with that. And 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 the thing is, I think the reason that these these situations are categorized as they are is that because we can basically say that men are stronger than women right. as far as, you know, and you know, I mean Chris Cyborg, notwithstanding, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But, but, but it's, it's, but it's, it's, I'd like to see the guy that put yeah, hands on Chris Cyborg. Right. Exactly. I, I'm, I'm like, yeah. yo, some popcorn. No, no, hold yeah. on. Hold on. Yeah. <laughs> That's where I'm going to bust out the phone. Okay. Right. Sideways, not a potato <laughs> shot, right? <No. laughs> but it's, but it's the same thing with, with animals. It's the same thing yeah. with kids. What it is. Yeah. These you can guys, fuck up an animal. I think that's just as disgusting. Yeah, you know what I mean? These, so these guys aren't doing this because it's a woman. They're doing it because it's something weaker than them. I agree. And it's the same reason they do it with kids. It's the same reason they do it with animals. And by the way, a lot of times it's the same person doing that to, to all those people. So here's how I measure it. Well, and, and the fact that he did it to her. Now, this is where I think that we can get two individuals that might cross into the same actions but might have two different brains. I agree. We have the Michael Vick brain. Mm-hmm. That's the the scumbag that takes advantage of things that are weaker than him. The guy who you know stepping on cats, mm-hmm. electrocuting dogs, 
hits children, you know, beats the shit out of a woman because they physically can, or does Greg Hardy fall into the idea of that just he's an individual that did not know how to portray his emotions? He had a heated argument with his girlfriend and it got physical. I'm not mm-hmm. condoning it, I'm not saying it's right. But he's just somebody that didn't understand how to control himself. And he might have swung on a guy who was bigger, stronger than him. Let's say he got into a heated argument with me. Obviously, I'm going to whoop his ass in a fight. Mm -hmm. But he loses his emotional control and he's fucking I'm going to fight because that's where he goes to. Mm-hmm. I, well, I think what it is, and there are varying degrees of that kind of of mental disconnect. I mean, there are those who are like the the biggest psychopaths among us on the scale of one to ten, and then there's some well, who maybe have those tendencies. My but wife they're has down that emotional a little three. bit to where you know, honestly, I mean, thank God that I am who I am. She is who is. I always make the joke: mm-hmm. if the police ever showed up at my house mm-hmm. and someone's coming out with a blanket and a cup of coffee, it's me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because she will go from I'm trying to get my thoughts to you, all of a sudden my emotions get out of it, and then it gets it, she, you know, you know, she's been raised the right way. But yeah. she, if she had been raised wrong, she has the brain where it's like, well, I'm going to physically make my point yeah. right now. But here she just happens to be five foot fucking one and can't. You know? Well, and but here's here's for me where the line is, whether it be male, female, animal, child, whatever you have, is the the line of egregiously antisocial behavior is knowing that you are uh, prohibitively stronger than and dominant over someone or something right and unleashing on them regardless i mean but i, I mean when you're in a heated argument you're yeah. mad i mean you're an extraordinarily calm cool and collective guy mm. and i am i feel 99 percent of the time too but mm. i have that one percent like a normal people do mm-hmm. not aliens like you sure that have lost their cool and when i've lost my cool and physically wanted to fucking make my point to another human being I didn't do the math in my head going, I could fuck this person up really bad. Mm -hmm. All I'm thinking is, I want to fuck this person up really bad. Mm -hmm. You know, like, do you know what I mean? Yes, but I think it also depends on, there's range to it. mm -hmm. So what I'm saying is, here's the way I judge Greg Hardy. Not so much that it was a woman that he beat up, but what he did was he beat up somebody I could beat up. See what yeah. I mean? Like, and I mean, not even a close, like, I could really fuck. He he could fuck her up. I could fuck her up. It's, it's a, what I'm saying is it's like mm-hmm. when you're that far off the, the scale, like, oh, my God, you know, Frank got in a war in the gym the other day. Oh, no shit. What was it, another Bellator heavyweight? No, it was a 145-pound yeah. white belt. No, no. Then everybody, it's, I, at that point, we look at it and we go, Someone to be right with him, you know what I mean? As opposed to, that's oh, another guy that you know spars with, whatever things got a little out of hand. Somebody said something they shouldn't have said. Yeah. I, I think everything is measured on okay. the scale. But I am with you. No, I, I that mean, it's not a gender thing. No, so I, okay, much okay as good. It I'm is. glad we're not making it a gender thing because, no. I, like I said, <laughs> and this is coming from somebody that I mean, come on, I'll, I'll be the first to admit it. If you would have met me 20 years ago, I, I mean, look, my father's from Cuba. You know what I mean? Like, just I was raised a little differently than some of my other friends that are predominantly more Caucasian than I am. I mean, I'm white, but I was raised very Latin because of my father. You know, I I had a thought process that women, honestly, you know, were meant for, you know, raising children, having babies, and cooking dinner. You know, like they had no room to be in a room, you know. 20 years ago, if you told me female fighters fight in MMA, I would have told, I would have been the mm-hmm. first one standing against it. And not because of a disrespect for women, but I just hold them to a different level, saying, mm-hmm. well, no, 
that should be a woman, you know, you don't, women should never be hit in the face or women shouldn't get dirty. You know, women mm-hmm. should be, you know, like wear a dress, be respectful. You know, you know, I was very chauvinistic mm-hmm. having a daughter all of a sudden, you know what I mean? Like I, probably equivalent of a guy who was the, uh, you know, I hate homos. And all of a sudden little Johnny <laughs> at yeah. 14 years of age decides well, to tell him that he brings home Justin. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's, oh shit. You know, uh, you know, now it's like you can either go one of two ways. You can either double down on your thought process or you can try to sit back and go fuck you know is the way i think about things really the right way and that's what i I felt that i've done is reevaluate my thought process so i'm very much into affirmative female action women's rights and and i guess with that thought process there are things i see where i think people think they're doing a favor for women and i can look several steps down the line and go no you're actually holding them back you know what i mean like i think it's like um Another example, on kind of similar, but when good intentions are actually bad, are reparations. You know, like, look at the Native Americans. You want to destroy a culture? If you want to destroy a group of people, fucking give them free money. You know, you can see it with the Native Americans in, our, in the U.S. Here, all of a sudden, we try to go ahead and give back and go, okay, look, we understand that we fucking came in here and genocide a whole race of human beings, and we stole their land. We fucking, I mean, atrocities were committed against them, you know, hundreds of years ago, all the way up until, you know, last century. Uh, and now that, you know, okay, well, if you stay here, we'll give you free money. You look on there, you know. Their culture, I mean, it's very hard to get out of it. You talk about, you know, a, a group of individuals at a time that, that really struggle. You have some that step out. I have friends that are Native American, especially from Canada, and they'll tell you it's one of the hardest traps to get out of off the, off the reservation because yeah. of good intentions yes. led to bad results I, because it's like, okay, now life's too easy for me. I get free money, just have babies and hang out. So I, I, guess, I would also, though, let me just interject on that, that it's not as though at the point in time that they were awarded that, that they had gotten back to even. I mean, they no, were no, already no. incredibly decimated. No, no, and I think that things have to be that. done. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. But I think that sometimes there's certain good intentions can fuck people up. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like spoiling your child. Good mm-hmm. intentions... You know, some of the greatest atrocities can be done, you know, you know, with the greatest of intentions, right? And so sometimes I see people, this this backlash now of, of the women's rights, which I'm all for because women have been really crushed. I mean, if you ever want to see, I mean, Mad Men. I mean, I know it's a TV show, but just even the conduct of how women, oh, yeah. you could slap a secretary on the ass. Hey, you look good tonight. It's like, right. holy fuck, that's how we used to act towards women. I mean, it's still, I mean, up until the 80s and sexual harassment really got prevalent, um, you know, our conduct towards women was really fucking, you know, just awful, mm-hmm. you know? So I get it, this, you know, act of going back the other direction. I just don't want it to be so extreme the other direction where it actually hinders a positive movement, where it causes them to become a weaker of the two sexes because of too much of a padded bedroom, I guess. You know, it's yeah. like, well, well, now we're not going to make them stronger. We're actually, you know, now we're just babying the situation and, you know, it's just, eh. Yeah, no, I, I, I think it's just a matter of having the, uh, uh, well, it's, first of all, it's just not having your wires crossed. Like I said, I think, you know, rational people can spend a lot of time uh, make saying right things and making good points, as I feel like we just have. Yeah. But well, the thing is, if you've got your, uh, if, if somewhere inside you there's just a piece that's broken, that allows you to, whether or not you ever get ang- anger control issues, well, let me ask like this. That, Did Greg you know? Hardy 
attend any kind of psychological counseling? Did he do training? Has he done things to help fix whatever was wrong with him or to show an effort yeah. towards self-improvement? I actually think that is the one of the biggest knocks against him, which is he's never been contrite about what happened. Oh. And and he's gotten in other trouble. Since not not spouse not not right. domestic violence trouble, but it's the kind of thing where but that's a good point because I mean, if it's he had done like, that stuff, so that's the part I guess I agree with with, with uh, right. uh, Jesse about sorry to cut you off, yeah. but for saying that that you know why would you hire Greg Hardy? It's like, well, I think a company can hire an individual that had a problem in their history. But I would think that as far as my uh, you know media presence, you know, my, I would want to come forward and say, well, look, that happened what eighteen months ago, roughly. Oh, the abuse thing—it yeah. was longer than that. Okay, it was a handful since of years then, ago. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Hardy has committed himself to counseling, right. to courses. He's you know he's logged in five hundred hours of counseling to fix. Uh, whatever the case may be, a troubled childhood, just, you know, not being raised right, whatever the fuck, you know, mm-hmm. caused him to be, to led to that, to that night behaving in that way, has he put forth the effort to fix it? And then you can sit there and go, he has. And then I would actually be on the bandwagon of saying, well, hey, man, just like if someone goes to jail, they come out, you know, if they've done, served their time and they've been rehabilitated, I mean, that's the idea of our justice system. Mm-hmm. You can't tell a guy he can't get a job. It's like if a person puts, yes, I was in prison, I, you know, five years, it's like, well, I'm not hiring you now. It's like, well, fuck, where's, where's the idea of redemption in our, our society where a person can come back from committing a crime if they do the due process and they, you know, it's like, you know, like a child. If my kid goes and is grounded, I can't, you know, it's like, well, forever you can't have your PlayStation. Well, no. They got bad grades. I grounded them. This is what they had to do to, to make up for it. Did you commit? Did you fix it? Yes, I brought my grades up. I did the homework. I'm sorry. I fixed it. I apologize. I redeemed myself. I physically put forth the effort to show my, uh, you know, my remorse. Okay, cool. All right. Now, now here's your next chance. Yeah, it's it's with with him. Uh, that's exactly the opposite of what happened because where the Carolina Panthers left off, the Dallas Cowboys picked him up, gave him back a career. And, and that is the worst thing you can do with, with somebody that has any kind of anti, you know, egregiously antisocial tendencies, any kind of a narcissist, is to just give them everything right back, you know, with no earning of that. And yeah. that's one of the problems that we run into. Well, it shows guys, you that I don't have consequences and I'm uh, above yeah. and better. It gives and, you that mentality, which already being an elite athlete. Look, I mean, there, you know, you're 1% of the 1% if you make it to the NFL. Out of all the thousands of kids right now that are out there playing, you know, uh, uh, Pop Warner mm-hmm. and youth football, a very small percentage there, are, you know, a small percentage, not a very small, are going to play high school football. And then a very small percentage are going to go on to play college. And then it's going to be like an act of God for you to ever make it as a professional football yeah. player. And to play even in a game. I mean, just because you even get signed or drafted, some of those guys, I mean, I have a friend who was played two years professional. He played in one fucking game. You know what I mean? Like, just the way it, it's so hard. So uh, it's almost like, okay, that type of, if you made it to that level, your mindset is you're a little bit above everybody else. It's hard not to fall into that. And then, like you said, if all of a sudden you add to that that now you fuck up and you're, then you're giving everything right back, it's like, well, you're only reaffirming the bad mindset this individual already obviously has. And that's therein lies the problem. Well, I'll tell you what, in summation, we spent a lot of time um, uh, dissecting and uh, diagnosing Greg Hardy's problems. I'll tell you who didn't spend nearly that amount of time 
uh, on him was uh, Derek Lewis. They asked Derek Lewis about him, and Derek Lewis just got that faraway stare and said, uh, I don't like people like that. He's like, uh, you know, he always he, – he remembers his stepdad beating his mom, and yeah. he's like – he's like – he, I that that'd be the kind of thing that I would just be like, I don't know if I want to win too many fights. You know, in the it's UFC. funny. I've never I actually, do not want to run into that guy. I haven't really had a long conversation with Derek. Yeah, meeting him, you know, and passing, you know, at UFC events. Um, but somebody through social media and through his interviews, I really like him. I, I like think that, that he has too, a, a great personality. His social yeah. media is just on point. Like he's funnier and shit. His, his intellect is really, yeah. you know, is something to be admired. And uh, yeah, you know, I, I think that would actually make for a very interesting fight because here, you know, opportunity for somebody to go ahead and, you know, I, I guess too, at the end of this, we both agree, or I, and I say that the UFC did kind of make a, a, a mistake in hiring. I think so. I don't get yeah, it. Yeah, well, like I said, it, it, it I, I didn't follow it close else. enough. Yeah. If he had done some of the shit that I said, or yeah. look, if I was UFC and I was coming, over, you know, I'm a promoter and I'm going to hire, yeah. you know, Hardy. It's like, okay, I see a kid who could be a potential superstar, help make me money. It's like, all right, but you still got, you know, uh, 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 you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Social uh, uh, presence, or you know. You know, uh, perception, you uh-huh. know, you still have a, you know, a social perception going on where, you know, what are people going to think of my company? Yeah. I would look to him and go, Hey, I, I'm doing this for two reasons. One fucking help you out, dude. I'll pay for your counseling. You know, while we're doing this contract is on the table, we're going to put in there that you have to commit to so many hours of counseling mm-hmm. to get over this. And you know, so it's going to help make you a better person. Let's say you never fucking amount to shit as a fighter, you know, fuck, you'll be better. Most likely, you know, I mean, hey, it's not a hundred percent anything in life, but I would like to think that if he spent hours and hours in counseling, that it's it's going to have some kind of of uh, revelation to him as far as oh shit, you know, I need to fix my behavior, and two, the social perception of my company going well, hey, this guy had a problem, but look what we're doing to help him, and look what he's doing to to show that he's going to be back into society as a fully functional member. Well, it's a move that. Uh I didn't really get. I don't think a lot of people are getting. And uh, judged by the uh, response that we got from uh, Jessica Rose uh, Clark's statements on uh, the show last week, that uh, a lot of fans do not get either. Frank, joining us on the phone booth fighting Skype machine is the reigning Bellator women's flyweight champion, the undefeated Alimale McFarlane. Thanks for joining us. How are you? Good. Thanks for having me. I just woke up from a nap. Sorry. <laughs> hey, me too. Frank, you're always waking <laughs> up from naps. I'm always the, taking naps. When was the last nap you woke up from? How, uh, is that, how many hours ago? 5.15. Yeah. Frank's big on napping. <laughs> 45 minutes ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for being on with us. you got a big fight coming up uh, on, uh, it's actually a week from uh, Saturday night, as or Friday night, rather, a week from uh, tomorrow night as we tape, Friday, June 29th, in uh, Temecula, California. That's going to be headlining Bellator 201, defending your flyweight title against uh, Alejandra Lara. And uh, let's maybe just kind of start with, uh, you know, what it's been like establishing yourself as the uh, Bellator women's flyweight champion. Because, you know, I, uh, as somebody who who covered Bellator for a long time, I, I really lamented when the 
essentially the whole women's side of the promotion was was temporarily done away with under the old uh, management. And Scott mm-hmm. Coker's really done a great job of, of bringing that back. And now I feel like, you know, you are really uh, established as, uh, you know, the top of the women's stars over there in, in Bellator. So maybe just, you know, uh, your your thoughts on that, that uh, you're definitely in Bellator uh, at the right place at the right time as opposed to, you know, even just a few years ago when there would probably wouldn't have been a lot of opportunity. Mm-hmm. Well, you took the words right out of my mouth. I was at the right place at the right time. You know, I had just gone pro, and uh, I'm not sure if you know about my pro debut, but it was dubbed a soccer mom fight. The soccer mom, yeah. yeah. It was a soccer mom fight, yeah, so that was my pro debut. And, um, yeah, Bellator called us, you know. So I was part of that first wave of of female fighters that they signed for this flyweight division. So, um, yeah, but, you know, I just kept my head down and put in the work and just slowly uh, built myself up as a fighter and climbed the ranks. And now I'm here uh, getting ready for my first title defense next week. Yeah, I mean, it's really been an incredible couple of years because it seems like the the soccer mom YouTube sensation was a very long time ago, and it really wasn't all that long ago. You've seen that fight, right? Uh, right? Yeah. Now, to ask you about that, Alimale, because just to start, because one thing about something like that, it's awesome to get, you know, millions of YouTube views and all that sort of thing. But what what I would have worried about in that instance is the whole debate over whether or not she should have been in there and all that sort of thing can really overshadow your skill set. You know, so it's kind of kind of great that you get a big launching pad like that. But then all of a sudden you got to be like, well, I hope everybody noticed not maybe the skills she was lacking but the skills that i had so maybe take us back to that place because it seems like uh at least bellator recognized that in you yeah like i actually had uh quite a few amateur fights before that i believe i had about nine amateur fights only five were uh sanctioned and um so all wins too undefeated amateur record right yes yeah and So my coaches and my team, they knew that I had what it took. And my so with my debut with Bellator, which was three years ago at Pichanga, uh, it was my only goal. It wasn't necessarily to win that fight. It was to just prove to everybody that I belonged there, that I wasn't a fluke. You know, the soccer mom fight was just um, a little hiccup. But yeah, like you said, it it kind of overshadowed um my skill set but i think i proved to everybody with my next fight that yeah i wasn't i wasn't just fighting tomato cans yeah how much do you think the ebi stuff correlates to helping people out for mma because you've done the combat jujitsu and Mm -hmm. i I don't know if i have an opinion either way on it just yet i like the idea of jujitsu always having the transition obviously you know ibjjf i think has gone the opposite direction, not preparing people properly for an MMA career. I like what Eddie did with the, you know, the no rule stuff. I think that's thinking innovatively about how to create a, you know, a more uh, easier stepping stone into real fighting from us, you know, from grappling. And then obviously the combat jiu-jitsu is the next evolution. Do you think it it's doing well or is it just kind of sloppy? Gra- I, I don't know. Like, what are your? Th- I mean, as somebody who's competed and done well in it, what are your thoughts? Well, I think that Eddie's entire system, the 10th Planet system itself, is uh, it's for MMA. So 
I think that EBI, even though there are competitors from across the board, there's not just 10th Planet competitors in it. I think, yeah, the rule set is a little bit more conducive to a transition to MMA. And with combat jiu-jitsu, yes, I think Eddie's like a great innovator when it comes to that. And you know, everybody thinks he's crazy, but it's like, well, that's what everyone thought when the UFC first started. You know, it's like, who's going to... I just think he's a- crazy because yeah. the flat earth shit. I, that's what know? I was going to say. That's yeah. about it. <laughs> when we're talking jiu-jitsu and fighting, I think he's a genius. When we start talking about some of the other shit out there, the fairies and elves, that's when I'm starting. He loses me. He's a great <laughs> podcast yeah. guest, though. I don't have to tell you that, Elena Lay. Yeah. Love having Eddie like- on the rabbit hole with him yeah Yeah. Yeah. but i mean i i enjoy watching combat jiu-jitsu i think it's uh but the the problem that eddie was having was finding competitors for it and not necessarily like a lot of the mma fighters were down to do it so if you look at everybody that's done combat jiu-jitsu at least for the women's side they're they've all done mma before they're all fighters you know but it was hard to find just the pure jujitsu person who wanted to compete. Um, I think and I almost think that's pure... what it should be for. I kind of like, that was my thought on it, is that it should only be mm-hmm. for people that, honestly, if you have more than two or three pro fights, or amateur fights even, I don't think you should be allowed to compete in the... My thought is, is this should be like a, another step, you know, like just like just like if you're a professional, you can't step backwards and fight as an amateur. I think if you've already done MMA and you're doing grappling on the ground with strikes, then what the hell are you doing the this for? Then I think this is for the the jujitsu guy who's thinking about going to MMA or girl, and mm-hmm. this can be that transitional step before an amateur career where it's not a closed knuckle punch to the face. I mean, getting slapped or open palmed is not pleasant but it's not a closed fist as an amateur or even an elbow turning pro. Yeah. Well, yeah, and even if uh, if you watched my last, well, my only combat jiu-jitsu matches at EBI 12, yeah. I'm taking hits from in my first match. And I don't even think I threw anything, really. But yeah, like everybody thought she was beating the shit out of me, and I'm like, okay, well, you guys have obviously never felt an open... I mean, it it was fine. I could take it, and I ended up beating her, you know, just using jujitsu. So I I think I might have to agree with you that it it does get a little questionable when you have professional MMA fighters doing it, and it's like, well, we're used to taking this... We're used to taking more down. Right, yeah, it's it's actually several steps down for you. Yeah, I just like the fact that it's so experimental, and that's, you know, we've been to a number of these EBIs uh, live, Alima Lay, and one of the things I like about them is that, one, Eddie tells a great story. Uh, you know, you really kind of become invested in a lot of the, the people competing and their backstories and things like that. But the other thing is that he's always tweaking it. He's continually trying to innovate it. So, you know, we, I mean, to me, it seems like we haven't seen the end of that evolution no, no. where that whole thing ends up. Are you going to do another uh, one of those? Do you have any plans to keep doing that? So that's kind of the plan, but um, right now it's honestly, I, I hate the weight cut. Mm. And especially when preparing for combat jujitsu, I don't have a full fight camp. I'm not getting that intensity of training in. And so the weight cut is actually harder for me because uh, I'm, I'm going on a 125 for, the, for EBI. And I, I don't make as much money in EBI as I do from Bellator. So I'm right. like, you can't pay me enough to cut that weight, you know? So mm. I, I don't know. I mean, ideally, I would like to defend it um, maybe once, but but who knows? Well, I mean, 
Is there anything wrong with going to featherweight then when you just do EBI? I mean, because it is. You mean bantamweight? Oh, yeah. Bantamweight? Or no, isn't. Bantamweight, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she's at 125 yeah. with oh, flyweight. Oh, 125. Yeah, sorry, flyweight. Yeah. 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 Going I, to bantamweight I, instead? I mean. Well, yeah. he's doing all. I think he's doing all bantamweight women on uh, Sunday, isn't he? I think that's. Yeah, yeah. So I was actually supposed to do that uh, with my teammate Liz Carmouche. Mm. Oh, yeah. We were going we were gonna to do that one, but then we both got booked for fights. So. Oh, right. Right. Well, that's a nice yeah. that's a nice problem to have. Yeah. 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 When your yeah. dance card's yeah. full. Well, um, you know, and and it's it's I guess it's a, a good thing to bring up uh, uh, Eddie Bravo and the Tenth Planet system in in talking about your evolution through Bellator because for uh, a lot of people who may be newer fans of you, they may not know this backstory. In fact, Bellator uh, 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 just sent me over a nice uh, uh, video package. In fact, we'll we'll put this on our social media so people can see it, but. Uh, a little uh, package that uh, Bellator did on Alimale, but part of uh, what they were talking about there was how Tenth Planet was actually just started as a place that you walked by on the way to work, as I understood it, and thought, mm-hmm. "I need to, I want to join a gym, I want to go in and get in shape," and all of a sudden, uh, an MMA career was born. How did all that work out? Yeah, so I was an athlete my entire life. You know, I wrestled since I was little, um, three-sport athlete, basketball, volleyball, wrestling. And, but I went to college at San Diego State. It's a notorious party school. Mm-hmm. And I ended up putting on a bunch of weight, like 30 pounds, I think. And so anyway, when I finished my undergrad, I had a summer off. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to use this time to get back into shape to start doing something. And yeah, I would pass by on this gym every day to work. And so I just stopped in there. And it happened to be the gym of Liz Carmouche, who mm-hmm. I had no idea who she was. I didn't watch MMA at all. And so, um, yeah, I just took my first MMA class, just kept going back every single day. And then five years later, now I'm here. <laughs> That's incredible. That's incredible. Yeah. Five years. And you just got, uh, I, I follow you on uh, Instagram and Twitter and all that sort of thing at Eliminator. You just got your uh, brown belt promotion, right? Fairly recently? Yep. About a month ago. That's awesome. Congratulations. I, you were in a picture there with uh, Richie Martinez. He's the boogeyman, you know, Frank. Him and his brother, right? Yes, brother of the Freakazoid. The two greatest brother-brother yeah. nicknames known to man in MMA, I, I uh, believe. I also noticed that uh, one of your trainers in that video package, uh, Alimale, said that uh, when you came in, you know, that uh, there was there was question as to whether or not you'd be able to take a punch because they described you. I believe they said you were a private school girl. Is that right? Yeah, so I, I actually attended Punahou, which is a very prestigious private school. Same school Barack Obama went to back in Hawaii. Yes. And my dad, they had a, the school had a zero tolerance policy, so absolutely no violence. You'd get kicked out immediately. And my dad was also a teacher there. So I nev- I've never been in a street fight, actually, ever. Yeah. I've never even threw a punch before. I didn't fight with my sisters at all. So uh, I'm definitely kind of the black sheep of the family. Everyone's like, how did you even want to fight, you know, or get into wrestling even? So, yeah, I didn't know how to throw a punch. I couldn't hold mitts my, when I first joined the gym, didn't know anything. But I think that's actually why I was able to absorb as much as I did is because I didn't go in thinking that, oh, I know how to fight. Like, don't tell me what to do. Mm-hmm. I, was, I was like a sponge. I just kept absorbing everything. 
It's interesting you say that because uh, Frank has a teenage daughter that's going to an expensive private school, and that zero-tolerance violence policy doesn't seem to be helping any better there because she wants to be a fighter. So Yes, very much so, and just one state in wrestling. So Yeah. So don't right. think sending your daughter to private school is going to keep her from uh, becoming a cage fighter. <laughs> it's not a guarantee. It was what I was hoping. Yeah. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> well, you know, what can uh, what can you tell us about uh, the fight coming up uh, Saturday night? Because I tell you what, I think uh, uh, with your uh, your rematch win over uh, uh, Emily uh, Ducote, you, you really, uh, you know, created a lot of interest because, you know, you, you beat her twice. But this this most recent time was with that uh, triangle armbar, which is a, a jujitsu enthusiast myself. I always love a slick submission. So to me, that victory created a, a lot of momentum, not only for your brand, but for you know seeing you fight the next time and all that sort of thing. So uh, what's your uh, what's your scouting report on your uh, opponent, or as much as uh, you're you're willing to allow publicly? Yeah. Um, so I know that my opponent, she comes from a really good camp actually in Guadalajara she's with team Grasso who we're actually very close with they used to Alexa and I get uh, Irene her training partners they used to come up to our gym and train with us whenever they were in town uh, so we're really really cool with that whole camp uh, so she has a lot of high-level female training partners there they are uh, predominantly boxing kickboxing mm-hmm. um, and she has a karate background but the imp, so I've never actually, uh, I, I've fought against people who were taller and longer than me. Uh, but I've never fought against a karate style before. And what's going to make it really interesting is she's insanely flexible. So she's actually, and I creeped on her social media, um, but she's an aerial acrobat. Girl, oh, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. He, like, can do the tricks on the ropes and all that good stuff. Yeah, Frank tried that a couple of training camps ago and didn't go so well. I need a replacement later. Well, and they thought that the bolt was firmly anchored into the ceiling, and it turns out it wasn't. No such thing when I'm involved. No, no. (laughs) (laughs) So she's incredibly flexible, incredibly athletic, uses her body weight really well. And, of course, my style of jiu-jitsu is 10th Planet, which uh, relies heavily on flexibility a lot of times. So... Um, yeah, I think it's gonna, she's probably double jointed, Mm. so it's gonna be hard to do any type of joint manipulation on her, so, uh, I say, like, I'll probably have to choke her. That's I tell people all the time, whenever I roll with a girl, and obviously, you know, it's such a catch-22 because if you take it too easy on them the girls get insulted there's yeah. this no come on let I me mean, go you know so i just kind of i don't go any easier on them than i would go on a guy of their size you know what i mean so uh-huh. i kind of play the you know if you're a 145 pound person i roll with you the same whether you're male or female but i have noticed that i've grabbed girls in joint manipulations and arm bars and shoulder locks and started wrapping and twisting their arms and like looking at them like hey are, are you good and a woman's flexibility, especially in their shoulders, baffles me. Mm-hmm. Most men would scream if I connect my hands on a Kimura. A girl or an Umaplata, if I, I mean, they, you could sit up, connect your hands, be up on top of them, and their hands touching the back of their head. And so many women just, it's almost like you have to have almost a different style of grappling when going with some women to where, yeah, it has to be very choke dominant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we can get out of tiny spaces, too. Uh, we have this thing called Live Drill Mondays where all we do is one minute in uh, EBI overtime rules. So either spider web position or 
seat belt, the back take. Mm-hmm. And all the bigger guys always get frustrated because I can just slip out really easily, you know? But it's like, yeah, it's a completely different game when it comes to women. Yeah. yeah all physiques have advantages and disadvantages, you know? And the advantage of being flexible and smaller, you're right. It's like trying to get a hold of a bar of soap sometimes. You yeah. Know? I mean, it could be very frustrating and difficult. Yeah. I, you know, I, as a uh, as a fan, uh, particularly of jiu-jitsu, Alimale, I think, uh, you know, it's it's nice and refreshing to see somebody who's got that specialty, especially in a day and age where, you know, I think it's it's not as prevalent as we used to see it, you know, and I think that's why we always get excited whenever we can watch somebody like yourself or, you know, like Frank and I always watch a, love a Damian Maya fight or something like that, you know. It's, uh, I, I think it's also nice, and I'm, I'm sure it's got to be nice for your team that uh, you're able to, you know, not only represent a championship, but, but really represent a, uh, a strong discipline in that particular uh, martial art on, on, you know, a Bellator main, uh, main event stage. Yeah, I'm super all about 10th Planet. I rep them really hard because they're the only um, school that I've ever attended, like the gym that I walked in on that first day, that's the same gym I've been with. Yeah. And so, and I studied under Boogie Martinez the entire time. So, you know, 10th Planet Jiu Jitsu is really all I know. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I, someone asked me today actually if I would ever do gi or if I've ever thrown on the gi. And I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, I've thrown it, it, it a couple times, but it's not something, it's something that I would want to do maybe after I'm done fighting. Um, you know, just for the competitive aspect, just for the sport itself. Um, but yeah, I love repping, repping 10th Planet, especially when haters are like, rubber guard doesn't work. And then I'm like, well, I rubber guard and won with Dead Orchard in my title fight. You know, I won a world championship belt using rubber guard. So yeah. Well, and and also, and this is this is the the fun of martial arts to begin with, Frank. I think a lot of things work. I think oh. a lot of things work, and then a lot of times some things don't work. You know, it's like it, it's that's why it's chess and not checkers. You know, there's there's a lot of of variables and possibilities to it, and it's always not one or the other. Well, I just don't think it's so simple as as uh, as people would want it to believe. So it's easier for their mind to digest. It's just like watching boxing. There's so many different styles of boxing. And look how simple the rules of boxing are. You can only yeah. use your hands. Yeah. You can only target the face and upper body. You can't target the backside of it. And you have to punch with the knuckles. You can't even punch with a hammer fist. I mean, you, you have to only hit with a certain part of your hand. So even within that realm of how strict of a f- discipline it is, look how many variables you have. So I think when you open up something like MMA, there's going to be countless variables that we're going to be centuries from now trying to figure out. So when people try to sit there that something doesn't work, I, I mean, shit, look at Machida, Anderson Silva, you know, now you got, you know, uh, um, Wonder Boy Thompson, like that style. If you'd have told people that karate would have, you know, you know, 15 years ago when I first, you know, 20 years ago when I first started doing MMA, karate, if you told someone you were a karate practitioner, they laughed at you. Mm. They're like, oh, yeah, get out of here, man. That's dead. And then now you have people winning world championships doing it. And the same thing, I kind of, that's one thing I really like that Eddie Bravo was actually keeping alive is that uh, 
if you're a practitioner of jiu-jitsu, you have to love the guard. It's one of the main weapons of, of what made it popular. Watching back in the day, the Gracies survive against much larger human beings that were physically superior to them and being able to pull them within their guard and survive and, mm -hmm. and then be able to choke them or, or, or submit them from there. And so for many years, though, when all the wrestling became such a dominant aspect of our sport, you know how many times I've had to hear that the guard is dead, fighting off your back is dead, and then now it's jujitsu's dead, doesn't work anymore. So the fact that Eddie has actually kept that alive with his style, it's like, no, it's just that the grips have to change. You have to flow and adjust. Maybe doing the guard like we did it 15, 20 years ago, predominantly how we would do it with a gi on, doesn't work as well. And everybody else is catching up, but it's not dead. It's just, again, it's just percentages and different adjustments. Yeah. The other thing I like, Alimale, is uh, all the all the crazy names for uh, the different moves. Does anyone ever pitch a name in on the mats that just doesn't take off? Is anybody ever like, hey, check out my new Rubik's Cube? That's funny. And he just, he just keeps pushing it, just but falls he just, flat on his face. just can't get it to catch on? Yeah, one time Eddie was doing a seminar at our gym, and he did this one move, but, uh, and he was like, you know, I don't even have a name for this. And he just looked up and was pointed to – one of my teammates was like, PJ, what what should we call this? And he's like, call it the Marsh. And it was, but it was super funny because that's just how Eddie is, you know. He's like, constantly yeah. creating stuff. And um, but uh, yeah, Eddie purposely asked him like, give me something stupid to call it. And he's like, okay, the Marsh. Yeah. And I, I have no, I don't remember what move it was either. But yeah. See there. Yeah, <laughs> I just didn't didn't catch on. They can't all yeah. be winners. I suck at name. I suck at remembering people's names. Yeah. That's something that scares me about the whole system of Eddie Bravo. People sit there and like, I'll see the moves. And like, look, I, I understand the move, but I couldn't remember a name. I barely remember people. You know what I mean? Yeah, like <laughs> we have a thing here on this uh, show, Alimale, where sometimes Frank remembers his high-profile opponents, but if you go far enough back, sometimes <laughs> it gets real foggy. And so I keep threatening Frank with the gag of, bringing somebody on and in do, uh, introducing them as Frank's former opponent and seeing how long we can go with the interview before Frank realizes he never actually fought the person. Oh, that's That actually good. makes me nervous, man. <laughs> 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 I'm going to start studying my Wikipedia page real quick and just freshen up on it. <laughs> All right, so I want to ask you this before we let you go, Aleem Lay, because uh, one, one of the, uh, the other things that, uh, you know, as I said, Bellator does a great job of sort of telling these backstories, and you want to really find out who the, the fighters are, you can go to uh, uh, bellator.com. Not only do you get uh, fighter profile information, but, you know, watch some of the clips, you know, like they did with you, Frank, during camp, you know, following the family around, showing the kids training stuff like that i uh uh Alimale was uh you had uh, a, an extensive uh a, a level of experience as a uh a server in the the weight staff industry yes huh? all right yeah. Give, i want to hear your uh do you, do you have a go-to worst weight person experience story that you tell whenever it comes up at parties yeah i do all right I love asking that question to other people in the service industry yeah like was your most terrible experience yeah uh, so i worked at this restaurant called coco's and it was awesome it was mainly all old people mm -hmm. um but i totally loved it that was the, the restaurant i worked at by the gym and one night this couple comes in the woman was pregnant and uh so anyway i'm trying to help them with their order and suddenly uh, so I got their order in and brought it out and the wife kind of just like, you know, like this isn't what I ordered. Blah, blah, blah. So, and the husband actually 
defended me. He's like, no, honey, you did order that. Oh, like, he, the husband like, screwed up. <laughs> yeah. That's that husband rule number one, dude. You do never disagree with your wife in public, right? <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, I'm like, okay, not a problem. I'll, you know, I'll get you something else. Here's your menu. Right. Blah, blah, blah. And she's like, I didn't ask for your opinion. So it just started going downhill from oh there. As the husband started defending me. And it got to the point where she and started calling me names. Man, his night sucked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he started calling me names, so I went and got the manager, and then um, so the manager is trying to take care of it with the husband at the front, and I'm trying to like clean up the table, and she turns to me and she's like, "This is supposed to be a special night, and you completely ruined it, you bitch." And I was oh like, oh. "Well, you know." I feel really bad, but I feel even more bad for your husband that he's married to you. Yeah. <laughs> and then that just like sent over there. She's like, you're a fucking fire whore. And like, she like runs to the fire. It was crazy. <laughs> so anyway, I, I, I just think it was maybe she was hormonal. You know, uh -huh. she was very pregnant. And Some people are just yeah. assholes. Oh, she was pregnant. Oh, yeah, I, oh wow. Pregnant. Okay. So, All right. Yeah. But I mean, it, yeah, I think that was probably the craziest. Just I've never had somebody like verbally attack me like sure. that before. I've had people like spit food out before yeah. on when you know crazy shit like that, but like never somebody actually verbally attacked. Me. So did they tip the customary eighteen percent to twenty percent? No, they got everything comped. Oh, everything. yeah, I see. No, well. You know, Coco's, which is sort of like a Denny's, kind of, maybe sort of on that. I First think we have it here, don't we? Well, yeah. We're in California. I think I've been there before. Yeah. Well, we, we had one. There's one in, right next uh, to Disneyland. We had, it probably is. We had one. There is one right there on the corner right yeah. there? Yeah. Yep. There you go. Yeah, Frank Frank frequents Disneyland a lot. So Look, Disneyland yeah. and food. Yeah, that's right. I can't remember jujitsu, well, but I remember. That's right. Well, <laughs> we, uh, we had a Coco's when I was a kid growing up, and I'm from uh, Fort Worth, Texas. And uh, we had a Coco's there, and I used to love going there as a kid because I like their French toast. And all of a sudden, one day, it was uh, big in the headlines because the uh, the richest man in town, this guy named Colin Davis, so you can look this up, it's a very famous uh, murder trial. Colin Davis was uh, caught in an FBI sting trying to solicit a hitman to kill a federal judge in the parking lot of Coco's. It was oh. a very exciting mor uh, morning that day on the way to school because I'm cop cars and everything. And uh, yeah, yeah, I got more than just the French <laughs> yeah. toast that morning. How about that? Coco's never lived down that, that reputation once that happened there in uh, Ford. But I was going to say, that old couple you were telling that story about, if, if it's supposed to be a special night and they're going to Coco's, that relationship might have been on the skids anyway. Yeah. Or Valentine's Day when people would bring in their um, their partner for Valentine's Day. We're just like, okay, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, special night at Coco's. All right. Well, Coco's loss is Bellator's gain because now uh, Alima Lay McFarlane works full-time over there defending her uh, women's flyweight title, and that's going to be the case Friday, June 29th. You can uh, watch it live on the Paramount Network, live and free from Temecula, California. Eliminate. Uh, it's been a real pleasure uh, having you on. So so good luck Absolutely. in there, and uh, maybe we get you on again sometime soon, talk about a victory and what will be next for you. Of course. Thanks for having me, Richard. Absolutely. Good to see you. All right. Good luck. Bye. There's certain things. I, maybe I have a, more of a horse in the race than the average person because, you know, I have issues, the problems I have issues with. But, I, you know, I remember, I think, was it C.K. Lewis? Or no, it was, who's, the, uh, uh, who's the real pale comedian? Uh, 
Movie oh, uh, uh, I know exactly what you're talking about. He always um, makes, he's like white, pale. Oh, like Jim Gaffigan? Jim, Jim Gaffigan, Gaffigan, yes. He says that. He uses that McDonald's analogy where he just sits there and goes, look, motherfuckers, you, everybody has their McDonald's. Right, you know, it, it, overeating might not be your problem. Mm. It might be, you know, fucking, you know, spending too much money on clothing. Mm-hmm. You some everybody has some kind of indulgence mm-hmm. that you commit to that is not beneficial to you, and you do contrary to that fact. Except for this motherfucker. Sure. Well, well, here's the thing. <laughs> Mr. Perfect. Wait a second. Oh, sure. Yeah. Except for some people, that thing you're describing is child porn. So what happens is yeah. like the the flip side of it is when somebody well goes, I think there's a line where we no, can go you know yeah, yeah, yeah. no no I agree but what I'm saying well, I mean, is the, you're, you're serial right. killers you know what I mean? no, yeah, yeah. no yeah. you're you're right I people, bought some guy watch child porn he's like this guy likes McDonald's and I'm like right. oh I guess we're at the no, wash see, people you know? people do it on both sides but the uh, go and start rolling by the way uh, if you yeah, I've been rolling oh good okay, okay. Uh, but the uh, the uh, the flip side of that is. When you know you're standing over a dead body and you go, oh, come on, we all make mistakes. I mean, come yeah, on. Yeah, no, right, I mean, right. certain mistakes are more yeah. uh, grievous than others. Yeah. But I guess I, I get angry when I sit there and I see somebody go, oh, this motherfucker. You know, look at this fat fuck over here, and you see someone walking who's uh, obese and it's unhealthy and they have a yep. hard time with it. But then, as you're saying this, you're fucking smoking cigarettes. I'm like looking right. at you, going. Well, that's not exactly fucking healthy either, motherfucker. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, it just happens to be that you don't wear your fucking, you know, bad habit on you. Or, you True. know, or your bad habit could be, you know, you know, fucking pornography. You go home and I'm like, dude, yeah, you don't touch your wife, but you go sneak in the bathroom and fucking jerk off. You know what I mean? Like, I've... I sat and talked to a guy one time that had that issue. You in know, the bathroom? Did you just no. run into him? It, it, oh. it was on one of the fucking... Uh, and <laughs> He's I'm like, not, shut the door! I'll let him out himself. <laughs> yeah, Frank Beer no. comes into the What court. are you doing in my house? <laughs> I'll let him out himself if he ever wants to. You know, But we were one time it was on John Jones' season of The Ultimate Fighter where I was yeah. the assistant coach. I walked in halfway through a conversation where the guy was just like, yeah, I'm having issues with this. And basically, he just was addicted to pornography. And I'm uh-huh. like, well... Aren't we all? I mean, at first I even made jokes about it, which uh-huh. in hindsight I probably should have waited longer before I started fucking busting his balls, being like, oh, yeah. really? You like pornography? Aren't you just the fucking 1%? You know right, I mean? like, right. Come on, asshole. We all love porn. You know, like, yeah. it's a billion dollar business for a reason, you know? But he's like, no, like, seriously, Frank, like, I won't touch my wife, and like, or I'll, I'll spend six to eight hours fucking watching porn every day. I'll forego food. I'll forego fucking leaving. I'm like, Okay. More yeah. than six to eight minutes is hard. You know yeah. what I mean? Like six to eight hours and you're watching porn. Yeah, that's like you I have calluses on your dick at that point. I even asked that point. I'm like, okay, well, like, you know, like, look, I like watching pornography, but once you finish, who really, I mean, yeah. you're not going to keep yeah. watching, right? Yeah. He's all, no, I actually, time start crying. I, goes, yeah. I don't even want to. He goes, half the time, I'm not even finishing. I'm just, you know, you know, he had a term for it edging? where you basically, what? Is it called edging? Yeah. <laughs> Yes! Yeah. Fuck, of course you would know. Wait a minute. Our, uh, <laughs> our producer, Mikey, shoots porn. He's okay. a cameraman yeah, for his call day it job. Edging, uh, where he'd always so, bring, yeah. he'd, for, so for 68 hours, this motherfucker would bring himself to the edge of having yeah. an orgasm and then purposely not so he could continue so he could keep to watch going. porn. I'm just like, wow, you got that shit backwards, dude. Like, you know, yeah. that was a means to an end, not a means to, you know what I mean? Like, what you know yeah. so so seriously i mean to the point where i mean he was like i have a problem i actually and then even when i was younger i had a, a, a he was much older than i am because i worked at the front desk at texas station now here's another thing where a guy had a problem where you kind of make a joke about it but people have their issues he had to get rid of his computer because warcraft mm-hmm. he was obsessed oh, yeah. with it like oh, i mean yeah. 
mm-hmm. obsessed with it. He's like, it's going to ruin my marriage. Like, mm-hmm. seriously, right now. And he did nothing else wrong. I mean, mm-hmm. the guy didn't stay after work and gamble. He didn't have another girlfriend. He didn't drink, didn't do drugs. But, man, that motherfucker, he, he was spending all his money to have the newest, fastest fucking, you know, processing units to put inside here and, and jam it up. And, you know, he would, he'd come into work, eyes bloodshot, and you would think, oh, you're in Vegas. You come into work all fucked up because you were out all night partying. He's like, no, I've been fighting elves all night long. Yeah. All yeah. night <laughs> long. I mean, he even asked me, he goes, hey, man, i got to be honest with you. Can you help me out? Like, you know, like, you know, I just need to get out of the house and do other shit. Yeah. Would you give me a call? Like, let's go do shit. You know, I'm like, really? Like, Warcraft. I mean, I was like, wow, I like video games, but Jesus, really? You know, yeah. but but then again, everybody has their McDonald's. People, not everybody, I shouldn't say, I mean, all, that, you know, that's a, a blanket statement, which, mm-hmm. you know, but most people will have something in their life that you are not beneficial towards you but you have that sure. you know that it's a luxury what well, always urge. comes off as harmless mm-hmm. you know like yeah. nobody ever sees the problem in it and then all of a mm-hmm. sudden you know you walk in and you're getting caught jerking off for six straight hours you know you know uh what that uh that detrimental addiction is for me frank is uh you known you have one? it's it's known as the lady comedy and uh, she is uh, she is an unforgiving mistress, oh. and uh, that is why. Let me do introductions here. Hey. We have uh, my buddy Gooch, Brandon Gooch Han is uh, in studio, who is uh, a fellow comedian, uh, also a radio personality. In fact, he just got off work doing actual radio work, right? I don't I don't call it work. I call it for oh. talking for thirty seconds at a pop, and then I hang out for another fifteen minutes till I get to talk again. Yeah, but <laughs> you know, best. but you know, in this day and age, I mean, you are that is a genuine rarity. You're an actual human that goes to work at a radio station. Oh, it's I know. Impressive. Yeah, it's. I, I would. You know, you might be right in a, in, a, in a way because like a lot of it, it's getting uh, tracked. You know, like you know, yeah. you'll get people that are. They live in one city, but you'll hear them on like several mm-hmm. radio mm-hmm. stations throughout the country. Uh, but yeah, I'm pretty lucky to be working at Comp 92.3. Been there, I mean, since like 2000, 2001, and you know, I'm not, you know, it's it's treated me well. Did you work with? You may not even know about this, Frank. Do you know who the uh, the Comp 92.3 Morning Man used to be? Craig Williams. No. I, I mean, maybe, but that's not who I'm going Kevin with. Kevin Dubrow? Kevin Dubrow of Quiet Riot, the lead singer yeah. of Quiet oh, Riot. You set me up. You know I don't we know get, any point. I know. <laughs> that's right. I was just looking for you to play my foil. But, uh, yeah, no, Kevin Dubrow, uh, after uh, his initial run in Quiet Riot, became the morning man at KOMP. And uh, I used to have him on my radio show in Dallas when he was on KOMP. One, he was a great person. Did you work with him? Uh, I never got to, never got the chance to really meet him. No. Okay. Yeah. He was he was a he was he was a great personality. But I was also just fascinated with the idea that someone who was the front man of a, a band that sold millions and Quiet Riot sold millions of records. They knocked Michael Jackson's Thriller off the Billboard charts, oh, yeah. like when Metal that Health. came out. Yeah, and yet their record deal was so bad <laughs> yeah. that, he yeah. that he had to do radio. Radio, yeah, <laughs> that's, a, that's yeah. a huge step back, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Like I, we all got into radio, so maybe one day I could get a, right. a, maybe an eighth of the pussy that that yeah. guy gets. You know yeah. what I mean? But instead, nope. It's like it's a huge step back. Well, I, you know, I fell into radio by. By the way, we're, 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 we we got Gooch on because, uh, obviously, we want to just have fun. But we have a show, a comedy show, uh, this weekend we want to let everybody know about. Uh, if you're going to be in the Las Vegas area, it's at the M Resort uh, inside the Ravello Lounge, 10.30 p.m. It's a free show. 
What else you want to tell everybody? Uh, yeah, ten thirty down at the M Resort Ravello Lounge, totally free. Uh, this week we got Shang Forbes, we got Richard Hunter, obviously, and then we have uh, Neil Nada. Uh, it's a pretty stacked lineup. So, again, it's a free show. Come on out. It's going to be great. And uh, the social media handles, if anybody wants to follow the show. Um, it's at Mayhem Comedy on Twitter, and yeah. then it's uh, at May- uh, Comedy Mayhem at the M on Instagram. All the details will be yeah. there. I've worked with... Uh, Did you say Saturday or Sunday? Saturday. Saturday, Saturday night, 10 yeah. oh, Okay, cool. Yeah, you want to come out? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, for a rare moment, yeah. I'm in town this weekend. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah, I, I don't, don't even know what Vegas looks I, like on a Saturday anymore. I don't know if you uh, know this, Gooch, but Frank himself is an aspiring comedian. He's, oh, yeah? Uh, he's, he's done a handful uh, of working sets. Working on it, working on yeah. it. You want to get up and do some time? Uh, well, actually, I'd like to sit this time and enjoy and watch. Okay, all right. But, all right. Yeah. He's, what he's doing is he's actually, we're real proud of him because he's progressed from the stage of initially getting up in front of crowds who know who he is. Mm-hmm. Now he's getting up in front of crowds that have no not only who he is, but they don't even know what MMA is, stuff like that. So he's... Yeah. he's I've been in front of bad crowds, too. Yeah. That's <laughs> Dude, hey. I see real comedians <laughs> struggling and fucking like cutting their sets short. I'm like, oh fuck, yeah. what am I gonna do? <laughs> Dude, no one's gonna heckle you. I can promise you that, right? Yeah. Well, so. yeah, that's the line. I always, anytime uh, I bring them up, I always say, listen, folks, you don't have to laugh, but you will see them on the way out. Right. So keep <laughs> in mind. Dude, uh, as a matter of fact, speaking of that, the uh, very first time I ever met Richard, we were up, uh, we were at Boulder City. And yeah. we were doing a comedy show, and it was right after the election, and I was super pissed. Yeah. I was super yeah. pissed. And there were some rednecks in the audience, and uh, somebody said something, and I mean, I just was like, man, fuck you. Or I said something about one of them having Trump's jizz on their mustache, something like that, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, now all of a sudden, they want to fight me. And, uh, <laughs> and it's like, I'm like, uh, I... I it was just one of those things where, you know, they kind of came up. And, of course, I'm not going to back down. I'm like, whatever. I said, I think that's my line. My my go-to line when somebody rushes the stage is like, oh, you're going to be brushing your teeth with this microphone, bro. You know I mean? That's pretty much like that's my good. go-to. I like it. I like it. <laughs> but uh, while well, he's fishing for his car keys in his <laughs> exactly. other I'm, like, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to throw them in their face and then pick them up and run, you know? Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, it was. Uh, I almost got stomped out that particular evening. And then I met yeah. Richard and we were like, eh, we right. got kind of like, like, yeah, that and, probably didn't go as well as and I And that hoped. was a bar show, too. Yeah. Now, Frank, you haven't worked a bar show no. I've not done that. Because it's one thing when you've only been in comedy clubs. Yeah, it's one thing when you're in a comedy club. It's another thing when when you show up at a bar. See, the other thing that happens too in bar shows is while all the comedians were informed previously that it's at a bar, all the bar patrons are not always previously informed that there's going to be a comedy show. Yes. So well, it's like uh, we they're gonna have to sit and presumably yeah, be quiet. Yeah, I can imagine that is yeah. way fucking harder because very hard. It's like going to the fridge and expecting a glass of milk. It's like, all right, but all of a sudden, you know, you might like apple juice, but if that's what you take a sip of, you're not exactly pleased. You know, there's that initial moment. So hopefully if you go to a comedy show, well, I've seen guys not, but when you go there, you're under the impression that, well, you you came out to listen to someone make jokes and laugh, right? You're going to have a good time. So, like, at least you're working with a crowd that came with the intentions of, well, I want to hear someone make some jokes. Let's go. Yeah. Whereas if you sit at a bar, it's a mixed fucking bag, right? I mean, you got some asshole that's like, look, I'm here for pussy. And other guys, like my wife, I just found out sucking some of his dick. I hate the world. Another guy realizes he likes dick and he can't fucking explain it to his friend. You know what I mean? A lot of range. You you got a lot of shit going on here, man. A lot of range. (laughs) And now you're up here making jokes and they're like, shut the fuck up. Oh, dude. I've seen, you know, and here's the thing, dude, like, I think you missed out on the best part of comedy, though, was the coming up part, because Mm. when you, there's, there's something about comics that really have no, uh, 
there's nothing really to look forward to just yet. You know what I mean? Like, especially when all you've done is bar shows. There is a there's a there's a camaraderie that happens there. And then obviously, you know, you see some of the biggest delinquents. Like uh, there was one comedy show. There was a it was a bar show. This happened maybe seven eight years ago. Uh, there's this dude Ricky and this dude Diaz, and they were gonna something happened where. Diaz burst in from outside and he's like, and he tries to give me the stink finger. So he tries to put his finger because apparently he was in the parking lot and he was finger blasting some chick. Okay. <laughs> so it's, which is not uncommon for that, for wild stuff like that to be happening. Well, anyways, he comes up and he's trying to get us a stink finger. I pull back and go, you better back up. Well, Ricky walks up and he's like, what's up guys? Boom. I mean, right across the top lip, everything. Every, Ricky is beside himself. So Diaz is laughing. He's like, ha, ha, ha. So he runs outside, and now I'm trying to keep – I don't want there to be a fight because I don't want the open mic to get taken away. Right. So I'm trying to separate everybody. And there's only four people in there anyway. You don't need to be exactly, losing yes. one along the way. So know. Ricky, all of a sudden <laughs> – so maybe 10, 15 minutes goes by. Now all of a sudden I'm outside, and Ricky burst in from the, out, from the door, and he goes, I got that motherfucker, Gooch. I got him. I go, what happened? He goes – I put my finger in my own ass and I got him. So he put his finger in his own ass and wiped it across the top well, that, of his lip. Yeah. I was like, okay, well, you had that coming. You definitely yeah. one-upped him. Checkmate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, you one-upped him. Checkmate. Yeah, I got to think of things that are bad, but yeah. that was worse. I don't know if you won, but you but you yeah. somehow one-upped yeah. him yeah. away, I guess. <laughs> I don't know if this is a winner, but. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and that's, that's sort of like comedy just in the round, like in the ether. Like those kind of shows are just, maybe there's an audience, maybe there's not, but half the show is just in kind of being there and experiencing whatever's happening uh, around you. I When I first came to Vegas, um, you know, I had this idea, Gooch, that uh, uh, I'm from Dallas originally, and so we moved to Vegas, and I thought, boy, you know, Vegas being an entertainment mecca, I'll bet every night there's four open mics and you know it's just wall-to-wall top talent guys i was imagining it being like new york you know where comedians yeah. are hopping from spot to spot spot just the opposite yeah just because there would be so much entertainment yeah. here so the first open mic that i went to was at this place called the blind tiger oh yeah now this open mic <laughs> started it started at 1 a.m sunday morning okay and it went until like 4 a.m so I walk in this place. It's a. It's clearly a former Tejano bar that they. It's not that way exactly anymore, but they haven't changed the decoration, so it's still got like the all the Cajunto uh, instruments and yeah. stuff up on the wall. And uh, so it's cool, you know. So, so I sign up, do my time or whatever. And there's uh, you know there's sports going on. There's the video poker and all that kind of stuff. And right next to the stage, they have one of those Papa Shot things that you throw the basketballs in. Like you have you have one of those at your house, yeah, right? Yeah, kids uh, in the backyard. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I watched this guy get up, Gooch, and he, I mean, it must have been his first night up. I'm nervous. He's got everything written down, and you can, the paper's shaking, yeah. you can see it. And he's just, you know, he's going to try to get through his, his thing, and he just barely starts off his set, and a guy walks up to the Papa shot, drops a quarter in, and just starts, ka-choom, ka-choom, oh, yeah. Because you know those things sound like a washing machine yeah. that's off balance, and he had to fight through that while he did his oh, set. Oh, dude, I've had, I've had full-on fights uh, take place right in the middle of the audience where I'm just kind of stand back, and I'm like, okay. Uh, I've seen people rush the stage. I've had, I've had, I had a girl one time rush the stage, and she, I backed up. Luckily, she like, ah, fuck you, and she swung, but I backed up, and she tripped over the mic cord. And then I put the mic back in. I'm like, right, my name's Gucci. You guys have been great. And I just got to take off. <laughs> it was just, you know, you 
there's a, there there is something about it. Like uh, you know, it's it's a way to peacock. You know, I mean, everybody's yeah. got that moment, and sometimes when you are in the moment and you don't want to you don't want to take shit from anybody, sometimes bad stuff happens, man. I mean, I've seen. I've seen some wild stuff, not necessarily like Michael Richards losing it style, but I mean, yeah. I've seen people lose their minds on audience members. Shit, what was it? Uh, uh, Lisa Lampanelli just had it happen yeah. to her not that long ago. Some guy walked up to her and gave her a hundred bucks to quit, to stop to stop telling jokes, and she lost her mind on this. Dude. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That's actually a pretty funny insult. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, dude, that's probably the worst insult you could probably yeah. get. Here's a hundred dollars to stop. stop. Oh, fuck. Yeah, that, that's pretty good. And I know a lot of comics out there that would have taken the money I'm like all right toodaloo and just yeah. you know because there's there's no money in stand up there's none yeah but but it it is at it, though at the same time the onus on the comedian at that point is to always be in the superior position because that's what the audience oh, expects. Yeah. The audience expects that you're doing this professionally because you're better at dealing with those situations than this guy is going to be. So the thing to do with that guy and his hundred bucks is to immediately start talking to him about all the things that he needs that hundred bucks for, like his back child support, mm-hmm. you know, like his probation yeah. officer. I mean, listen, that way his know, girl doesn't have to go out and earn it that night. Yeah, yeah. right. Good exactly. See there? Yeah, there you See go. There? Okay, go. Yeah. <laughs> well done. Well done. Well, we'll uh, we'll be doing this uh, Saturday night over at uh, the M Resort, which is, I guess that's Henderson, right? Yeah, yeah it's, it's like Henderson. It's like right on the edge. I'm not sure if it's Vegas or Henderson, but yeah. it's like right on the edge. Yeah. Just yeah. take the 15 all the way out. Yeah, yeah. dude, yeah. Nice place, though. Yeah, actually, no, it's a beautiful hotel. I actually saw, uh, I went out there uh, maybe a year or so ago to see Gilbert Godfrey, who is a guilty pleasure for me. Oh, yeah. I, you ever seen him live? Yes. Yes, I love. I love. Do you listen to Gilbert's podcast? Uh, no, I don't even normally. We, does he do it in his voice or does he do it in normal voice? It's it's his voice. Yeah, I mean, his, does he sound like that all the time, or is that more? You know, when he doesn't, like whenever yeah. I've met him, and per, I met him a couple times in person, I'm like, hey, how are you doing, Gilbert? He's like, hello, uh, thank you. Thank he's you. really shy. Yeah, yeah. It's like he's it's like he's NPR radio. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's oh, just, no shit. Yeah, yeah. Like wow. Super so it's not even just normal. It's yeah. like the other side of the spectrum. Right. Yeah. It's wow. either, yeah. It's either it's either yeah. that voice or it's hello. Yes. Thank yeah. you. I would like a refill. His, thank you. His podcast is is I love it, and uh, it's really kind of an extension of his live show, which is one of these things. Like I mean, as old as I actually am in my mind, I'm even much older than that. You know what I'm saying? Like I like stuff that most people who would like it would be dead. Mm-hmm. Like they have natural causes, you know, just old movies, old history, you know, whatever kind of stuff like that. And Gilbert's live show still to this day includes a Bella Lugosi yeah. impersonation. Yeah. And it's like who, whoever I've had with me, I've had to explain to him, number one, who Bella Lugosi is. And then secondly, why it's good. And, you know, that sort of thing. I just Really? Yeah. I figure almost everybody knows who Bella Lugosi is. No, it kind of depends on the age. Anybody who's into horror movies. I mean, well, shit. I mean. He outages all of us here. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, he's yeah. waiting for our time. It, it just depends on the average. Because the average audience. You just got to know that, okay, that's the original classic, you know. Yeah, yeah that's or, like Bogart. Like, it's like, you know, Lugosi's like Bogart, like Marilyn. Yeah. It's like one of those all-time yeah. classics. Still, you know? though, I, uh, you know, I find myself with, with fair frequency, and hopefully huh. this won't happen on your show Saturday night, Gooch, but, you know, references that just like, I, I don't trust my own references in terms of being contemporary. I think stuff and I go, okay, I'm going to say this and I may be the only person. No, you who, have to you do know, that because you know. this is the scary thing with comedy now because 
Back in the day, remember, you would be able to throw out a movie line, and everyone knew the line. Mm -hmm. Everyone did. Mm -hmm. And now, in today's day and age, we're so it's like we're just so segregated from each other because now we can get whatever kind of entertainment we want when we want it. So, like a show, like if you throw out like a, a Simpsons reference, back in the day, everyone would get it. Yeah. But now, yeah. but now because everybody's watching so yeah, many Netflix, different Amazon, shows, yeah, yeah, dude, it's like it's very hard to find that one thing that everybody you is. You know, into. it's funny you say that. You're right. It's been probably about five or t five years that I can think of when a sitcom was a hit. You know, back when like Friends was big. Yeah, you could have conversations on you know a Monday or Tuesday when everybody's at the gym working out and reference to whatever show occurred. And if it was a hot show. Almost everybody in the gym knew yeah. about it. Yep. Nowadays, it's kind of like if it's not your thing, you almost got to find your clan. You're like, hey, do you like Game of Thrones? Just, you know, like, oh, hey, do you like Walking Dead? Like, you know, different people like different shows and not necessarily be able to even be able to right. talk to each other about it. Yeah. Like, so, so I can I, see how that would kill you up there on the stage. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and if you, and, and like all the, all the movie references still to this day, still to this day, are all the movies that we all grew up with from like 20 years ago. Like, you'll, so many 80s, 90s. Yeah. Seven. Yeah. It's like, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll see some 20, year old kid talking about Teen Wolf. I'm like, motherfucker, you weren't alive yet. You don't know nothing about bring me a keg of beer. Get the hell out of here. You know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? But it's like, but still, it's so it's so ingrained. Those movies and that and those, it was like the, the, from the 80s pretty much to like 2005, I would say it was like, it's still, it's still the most popular culture that we still have. Like it's because nowadays everything, it's, it just seems like everything is so by itself. Yeah. yeah, you can always hit an Arnold line. Yeah. You know, get to the chopper and like almost everybody goes Oh, Arnold and joke. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. but nowadays I don't even know. Like, if you make a reference to any, you know, The Rock is the biggest mm -hmm. action movie star nowadays. Mm -hmm. I don't know if he has any, any iconic lines that no. cross the board. He doesn't. If you set it up on stage, that everybody would go, oh. I know what movie you're talking right. about and who you're talking about. If I say yippee kaye kaye you guys are going to know exactly oh, yeah, what yeah. I'm talking about. But, like, exactly. yeah. but if The Rock, you're just exactly it. If The Rock, yeah. I'm like, what great line has The Rock ever muttered? I can't think of one. Well, I think yeah, that's And also, I love his movies. Yeah. I'm a fan of all of them. I mean, shit. It could also be, too, that because, you know, now we have Netflix and Hulu. That's exactly and, you know, it's all yeah. spread out so much. It's, it's the same way that, you know, we used to have three networks, four networks, well, so everybody movies, was seeing the same shows. Hit yeah. movies, iTunes. Yeah. You know how many movies come out, and if it's not something that I, I it's a must, I have, right. The Incredibles just came out. Incredibles oh, loved two. it. I saw it on Sunday for Father's Day, like, I'm like, mm -hmm. okay, I'm not waiting for this to come out on iTunes, mm -hmm. I'm going to, you know, watch it immediately. But there's been other movies that come out, and I'm just like, oh yeah, I want to see that, I'll, I'll wait yeah. for it to hit, you know, I'll, no yeah. problem, I'll, you know, they did a remake of The Death Wish, you know what I mean? Yeah, you know, yeah like so, Bruce Willis, yeah. Yeah, so I was like, oh, I want to see that. I'll wait till it comes out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'll iTunes it. You know what I mean? Like we would, if it were the '80s, we would absolutely make a reference to Gooch being the bully that tormented Arnold Drummond yes. on different Dude, strokes. That's, that's all anybody ever brings up. They're like, hey, like different strokes. I'm like, I don't remember that. They're like, yeah, hey, that's you. And I'm like, no, I'll roll with it, whatever. You know yeah, what I mean? but like, right, but say. but back then, you know. 20 million people would have seen it that right. week because it's one of three networks. And then 20 years later after that, yeah. uh, Jackass came out and everybody showed everybody where the Gooch is and that's right between your yeah. balls and oh, assholes. So I'm I like, see. yeah, it's great. It was, like, it was like four, it was like two weeks after I got that nickname. I was so proud and I'm like, I'm going to be mm. on the radio and then that mm -hmm. fucking movie came out. I'm there with my best friends watching Jackass and then, and I was all the way on the end and as soon as I go, yeah, put it on the Gooch and that, that electric, remember the electric pad yeah, that yeah, they put yeah. on there? Yeah, the, the, the stimulus. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
So he's like, it goes, uh, they're like, and I mean, I'm on the, I'm on the end. And of course I just see four heads looking back at me and like, we're never going to forget this. And it was still to this day done. It was burnt. Yeah. We were talking about radio, uh, earlier, uh, before you, you came in Gooch. Uh, now, have you ever? I just installed the. Uh, I brought in the new turntable to play with, uh, so I'm actually sitting over here pretending like I'm a DJ in the '70s. Did you ever DJ? Did you ever DJ on any physical format, or was it always digital? It was you? always digital. So mm-hmm. the music, the music is already set up. You know, sometimes I go in there if like if I. Look, if I hear some guy and he's, he gives me like a good impassioned plea, like please play Tool, yeah. my dad died or whatever, uh, you know, like here's maybe my I'll band's demo. Yeah, yeah, you know, like maybe <laughs> I'll do that, you know. Yeah. But it's like, but but uh, but for the most part, though, I mean, the, the music's already ready for me. Yeah, you know, and it's like I just go in there and I I do a little research on the bands that are coming up and try and sound like I know what I'm talking about. You know? Yeah. So if we were uh, transported back in time to uh, you know WKRP in Cincinnati, you mm-hmm. think that we could figure it out? You could probably figure it what, out. Oh yeah, I'm sure I could. But yeah. you know what though? But those guys back in those days, though, they were busy. Like yeah. they were chopping up. They were chopping up phone calls with yep. like razor blades and stuff. Now everything again, everything's all digital. Like it's all the film and everything. They were, they, they would chop what, it up, tape it. What he's talking about. So what he's talking about is you'd have like a reel to reel tape, yeah. right? You got two turntables. One record is actually playing. You got to cue the next one up because as soon as that's done, you got to fade that down, fade the other one back up, right? And then you're taking calls during the break. Hello, you're my 18th caller. Congratulations, you're a big winner. What's your name? Hey Frank, are you excited to be going to see Pat Benatar? Right. And then they're recording that on reel to reel. So now, once I hang up with you, what he's talking about, he's got to get that tape, take a razor blade, isolate it, and then incorporate it into. He's got to play it back, yeah. dude. I don't mic. even know. I don't even know how they shit back in the day. Yeah, like, they would have like a four, three, four. In a Cata de Vida. Yeah, that was it. That's the only thing you yeah, could it do. Like, it was yeah. like let's yeah. like, let's yeah. up on cashmere in a Cata yeah. de Vida. That's the all. Yeah. That's pretty much like your go tos. That's what everybody yeah. had. Like uh, maybe maybe November rain, but that's about yeah. like, but uh, but yeah, dude, it's like you had to put in a super long song just so you can be like, oh god, I gotta I gotta go take a smoke break or something just to get out of this room, you know? Yeah. Do you have uh, back to comedy? Do you? Have, I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, uh, I'm gonna burn a joke here because I, I don't dare do it Saturday night. But just as an example of, and Frank is not far enough in his comedy career, I don't think yet for this to happen to him. But do you have that joke? That God damn it, you know it's good. It's smart. You can't get it to work on stage. It kills in the green room. The other comedians get oh, it. Yeah. They laugh at it. Here it is for me. All right, this is the one I'm working with. Uh, you aware of these daddy daughter dances now? This yeah, phenomenon. Really, you yeah. see your grown uh, male friends I've never, with I've their daughters. I've only seen it in movies. I didn't even yeah. know that was a real fucking thing. No, it's a real thing. Matt Mitrione asked his daughter to go to a daddy yeah, daughter dance after At he that won point, a fight I realized in Before that, I thought like you, you see live it in on films, television, yeah, uh, or even like on Daddy the Stepdad. I was like, right, oh, that just doesn't really happen. I'm like, oh, it really <laughs> right, <does."> right. <laughs> and so what's happening now is you see the the photos on Instagram because they take like. A, a prom photo, oh, right? So that's potential weird. to be so creepy, uh, right? And so the potential for creepiness is right. unlimited. I just 100%. see all I see is webbed toes. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. yeah. Just well, <laughs> my joke is that those pictures on my friend's Instagram always look like evidence pictures in a polygamous trial. <laughs> right, right. I think that's a goddamn funny joke. I think it's funny. It is. You know what? It is. But I'm telling you, like in Vegas, it's like it's hard in Vegas because it, you're getting you're getting audience members from all over yeah. the country. So it's not like you go to L.A. and New York where you could kind of put your thumb on the pulse. All right, obviously okay. they like it rough. You know, they wanted a little bit more in your face. L.A., you got to be a little more PC. But like, it, but Vegas, it's like, man, just. 
you know, everybody everybody thinks they understand the formula. There's no formula. Just go Man. out there and do your thing. You that know? joke eats shit on stage every time I've tried it. And the worst part is I will tell it in the green room. And just like this, smart people laugh. Yeah. It's funny. Sorry. I don't. I do not apologize. Dude, there are certain there are certain <laughs> topics that the majority of the people just don't know, like polygamy. Like they think they're like, oh, you mean the sister wife stuff? Yeah, that's the actual name. Right. Like they don't know. Like yeah. it's 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 insane. Yeah, and it's like and and my girlfriend Jennifer's uh, she's she's a good like she's not a comedian, but she's a good sounding board because she'll tell me honestly like what she thinks works, what she thinks doesn't, and everything. And I've tried that joke enough times now, and where we just drive home, she's just like. Gotta hang it up. Just doesn't. Yeah, don't. I don't know. Oh, dude, my wife. When I've run a joke by her, she's just like, and you know, especially if it's about if it's about her or something like that, she just goes. That's it. So it's like it's oh, just like yeah. it's just this like the inhale head, the through the nose. I'm like, oh, okay. She's like, you really want to tell the people about that? I'm like, oh Christ! All right. Yeah. I thought we were open. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, it's like, and and sometimes, and the interesting thing about Vegas too is because you do get a different group every night. I mean, it's you know tourists, different group of tourists every night. Sometimes there's locals, sure, but it's like it's not even like you can get familiar enough with the area to go, okay, this area of the country gets this certain thing, right? Because for all you know, they're from overseas. Yeah, and you know, and that's the one thing I will say about doing stand up in Vegas is like uh, when I do go at a place. I mean, I'm so used to just playing to whoever the hell is going to be there. Uh, you know, I go to another spot, and it's not that hard. You know, mm-hmm. like a lot of people are like, oh, when you get to when you get to Boise, when you get here, it's a little bit difficult. You got to watch yourself. And I'm like, all right. And then I just kind of go up there and do my thing. And yeah, it's a little bit difficult because you're in Boise. You're I mean, that's <laughs> yeah. you didn't. <laughs> you, I could have done the math and figured out things had gotten a little bit difficult when I left to. Go to Boise. You know, if yeah. you did that joke, if you did a polygamy joke in Boise, it would crush. Yeah. Lots of Mormons in Boise. Well, and that's the only saving grace that it has every time it eats shit is I just go, okay, room full of Mormons tonight. Yeah. That's all right. Don't mean to offend. <laughs> and they'll kind of laugh at that. Sometimes they'll laugh at the recover, like whatever the make good is, right. you know, like the, yeah, anyway. All right. Well, I'm not doing that Saturday. Don't worry. Gucci's like, I can't believe I fucking booked this like, guy. Okay. Oh no. You oh no. What am I going to do? Minutes off your set. Oh, yeah. yeah. Are you a good, are you a good, cause one, one thing uh, I'm looking forward to about Saturday night is, is doing a feature spot because I'm not, I, I can, I'm a capable host, but I don't think I'm what you want in a host because are you a good host? Uh, I try to be. I mean, it's like, I think with a good and host. And by the way, I hope no one from the LA Comedy Club is listening right now uh, <laughs> because I do not mean to tell them that I'm not a good host where they regularly employ me as a host. <laughs> but uh, what I what I mean is this. It's like the host job is like, hey, get everybody excited, energy, come on up. You know, we're, we're excited. And you, you, it's it's I think it's actually an asset when you've got a broad enough appeal that no matter who you're opening for, you can kind of fill that role. And for me, it's more just like, no, I just want to go ahead and be the first to tell you about how shitty everything well, is. Well, you know, it, it depends on where I'm at. Yeah, like, your energy yeah. level doesn't scream. No. Pump up guy. <laughs> Engaging. Mm-mm. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not the guy that uh, they're going to have before Rachel Ray starts her taping to get the crowd pumped up, you know? <laughs> you know about polygamy yeah. right on, brother. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I... You know what it is? It's just I kind of just go out there and, and, and have fun. Um, you know, I got a couple of jokes that I, I I try not to do too many jokes when I'm hosting. Just more like just more like messing with the people. But if they're not buying it, if they're not buying what I'm doing, I'm like, all right, I'll do some jokes, and then that usually gets them on my side. Yeah, fortunately, I I, I haven't had I don't 
I don't know if, if any headliners get disappointed, they don't tell me. I guess they tell somebody else, but that doesn't happen too much. But I just, I'm always aware of that. You know, it's actually our buddy Butch Bradley, Frank. It's one of the things I love about working with Butch because, and Butch is the, the 10 p.m. resident headliner over at uh, the LA Comedy Great Club. Great guy. Love Butch. He is great. And not only is he a great guy, the thing I like about working with him is he's one of the few guys that I can host for that'll just tell me, Entertain me. Yeah, do, do what do, you do. Want. Ten minutes of shit I've never heard before. I yeah. don't care what you do. Just work out new stuff. Don't worry, because you can't dig a hole too deep that he can't get out that, of. With and the that's crowd. the thing. Like, and that's to me. I think if any comic goes up there and tries to put restrictions, you know, I mean, it'd be like it'd be like, hey, do you got any like. It, like it'd be like, hey, do you have any jokes about uh, throwing water in a twelve-year-old's face? I'm like, I have like ten minutes on that. You know what I mean? So, yeah. you know, but I'm just, it's like, you know what I mean? But it's like, you know, things like that. It's like whenever you try and specifically like limit a comic, I, that bothers me. Like I don't understand why some comics do that. Like, yeah. look, dude, like Butch, Butch never, never does that to another comic. Never go up there, do your thing. I got it. It's my job to close it out. I didn't know there was even a concept that occurred. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that's the thing. Like some sometimes comics go up and go, hey, you know, try to keep it clean, or you don't have any jokes about abortions or anything, do you? And I'm like, oh, really? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, sometimes. It's, yeah. So I figure I'm, it's like, hey, man, each guy's on his own. Mm-hmm. Do your right. own thing. You're responsible for your own set, right? Well, I have a friend, Jocelyn Sharp. She's a uh, yeah. comic here in town. Great friend of mine. Great comic. Yeah. And uh, she was doing a show recently where the comic walks up to her and he's like, uh, you know, I don't know how you get booked being so dirty, but uh, you know, I guess if it works, like he's trying to get in her head before she before she goes up on stage because he's going up after her he's trying to get into her head so she'll start overthinking all of her jokes and then bomb so that way he goes out there and looks like the shut hero shut the fuck up yeah dude. really i'm telling you man there's a lot of there are some comics out there that are such scumbags because because all they because they, they view it as a competition when if you just view it as a competition with yourself you do a much better job if you the second you start comparing yourself to other comics you're not that dude you're not yeah. that person. So just be yourself. Be in a competition with yourself. Don't be in competition with all the other comics. Well, and I guess I, 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 something I have a misconception on, I was under the impression, and I would think if right now you said, hey, do you want to go after somebody who's really funny mm-hmm. or somebody who fucked up? I'm like, oh, I want to go after somebody who's funny. Yeah. I don't want to have to pick up a crowd that already is like, well, fuck, this sucks. Right. I would rather follow the momentum of everybody. Hey, they're already laughing, having a good time. Cool, let's just keep it going. Let's keep it flowing. You know what I mean? Well, you know, and you're right. But the thing is, though, is with comics, it's like we're of, I, I, I can speak firsthand on this. We're a very insecure bunch, and it takes a while. Like for me, it took me a while to get to the point where I'm like, I don't care. Do whatever the fuck you want. You know, I, it took me a little bit. But, you know, now I don't now I don't care. I don't care who goes up in front of me. It mm-hmm. doesn't matter to me. I know, I know uh, if a comic goes up there and destroys, destroys, right? Now, it depends if I got like four or five minutes. You know, like mm-hmm. if somebody's like, if somebody goes up there and kills for like 15 minutes and they're like, Gooch, you want to do them there? Go up there and do four. Like, uh, mm, that's going to kind of cut into, you know, I'd, I'd much rather just have a little bit more time, you know, because that way, because that way you, what you want to do is you want to let the audience know that, look, I, I saw what happened. They killed. Give it up for them. But I'm up here now. So give me a shot. But sometimes comics don't even want to deal with that. Sometimes they they just want to be the darling. They want to be the bell of the ball. Yeah, it's a weird deal. And it's also like, because I just don't consume entertainment that way. Like It's almost like if you saw a, a show you really, a 30 minute show you really liked that was uh, uh, sci fi tonight and your mind worked like, okay, well, I can only watch sci fi for the rest of the night. Give me four other shows just like that. Mm-hmm. Like, no, that's fine. Let's go to comedy now. Uh-huh. Let's go to something else. But they, they, they're always, you know, I, I think you can go mad just sort of trying to 
analyze what audience funny's funny. That's yeah. what, I guess that's what I'm saying. Dude, you if know? you find it funny, if you find it funny, do it. See yeah. if it connects. You know what I mean? Obviously, polygamy not the way to go. <laughs> you know what I mean? But <laughs> well, and here's my problem too with that is the polygamy joke. Case in point is I actually work clean. I don't I don't have a dirty act. I've got an edgy. One. I've seen your act. It's funny. Thank you. I was. I was at. Uh, that was when we saw. That was the one time I saw you. Was at Boulder City. It's. But it's. It's. It's got an. It's. It's edgy and sometimes a little dark. But it's not. But. But that's the weird thing. It's not like it's. But you know what I like about your act, though. What I liked about it was. Uh, you weren't afraid to be cocky. Like there was a joke, there was one joke he had and he goes, that's the smartest joke you're going to hear all of You know what I mean? And I liked it. I was like, I like that, you know? And then I think I went up afterwards and I think I told us like some dumb joke about geography. I'm like, that was a smart joke yeah. too, bro. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I mean, you know, but it's, it's like, but I like that. I like my comics to be extremely confident, to always know where they're at. And and that's the and that's the one key I'll give you right there. It's just believing your own bullshit. And then uh, and and for newer comics, it's very important for you to not move around so much. You know, like don't move because I see a lot of comics. They always they're always messing with the the the, the cord or they're wrapping the yeah. cord around their hands. It's like believe it or not, the, it comes those, out as fidgeting. Huh? Yes, mm, yes. Okay. So it's like you know what? If uh, like for years, for years, I. Uh, I Comedy was weird because I started here in, in town and it was all bar shows. And to keep in mind, this is like Doug Stanhope. This, Doug Stanhope started here. So I thought, you know, dead babies and abortions and all yeah. I, the most cruel thing you can say was hilarious. And, you know, that's because he was the first comic I ever saw live. And then I finally started doing some comedy shows in the, in the, in the clubs. And I'm like, I got to go back and start from day one. You know, so I ended up putting the uh, mic in the mic stand and I started working on like actual jokes. And then I started noticing myself getting a little more animated and then I finally just took the mic out of the mic stand and it's been kind of ever since. By the way, I'm glad you uh, you mentioned Doug because I wanted to say I finally got on the scoreboard with Celebrity Death. Oh, Bowl did you today. know? Charles Krautheimer checked out, the yeah. uh, conservative columnist. And we play in a, a death pool league with Doug and uh, Frank is going gangbusters in who this do, thing. Who do you got? Oh, your roster? Yeah. yeah. Who had the pick that's died so far? Mm -hmm. Well, I had Hurt right off the bat, I think, and he died within like Oh, John Hurt. Yeah, the actor. Yeah. Frank got- Three hours into the, like, the fucking open. <laughs> the draft. Dude. Yeah. yeah. Just yeah. dropped dead. And they, they say they I think- I the record right now for that, the fastest kill. He does. He yeah. does. Frank has the record for the fastest kill, but- um, I had one. I said one on Dave Thomas. Dave Thomas from Wendy's is right when I started radio. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, that was my pick. For, and I was just making a joke. I was like, Dave yeah. Thomas, Wendy's. I can't stand the commercials. Dude, later that night, Dave Thomas. <laughs> no longer with Dude, us. I was I, like, Whoa. That, that beats my story. That's yeah. <laughs> you willed it so. Um, uh, I'll, 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 we'll yeah, do it. The fastest submission in UFC heavyweight uh, championship history. And also have the fastest now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> put them up there, man. Yeah. Just collect the fucking titles. We got to put that in. We got to change Frank's uh, Wikipedia like right yeah. now. Do you know, you know? that uh, Frank did a uh, uh, jiu-jitsu seminar and they yeah. actually put that on the promotional poster yeah. that he had the fastest kill on Celebrity Death I gave you the promotional. You have it, right? Yeah, I've got it. Yeah, yeah. I'll just tell you real quick. By the way, uh, uh, Stanhope will be on with us next week to do a full update because he, he'll cool. be back from uh, Europe by then. And the other reason he's coming on is because uh, you may not... I I don't know if you know this or not. Doug's old telemarketing boss is uh, Steve Sisolak, who is the Democratic nominee really? for Nevada governor. Yeah. He's actually mentioned in Doug's first book. So Doug is going to come on next week and either endorse 
Sisolak, or I guess maybe tell us why we shouldn't support him. Yeah. So look forward to that next week. That's a week nice way on, to say uh, Doug. Saying, Doug's going to say, maybe we shouldn't support him. I'm sure that's the exact vernacular he will yeah. use. Right uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see. He's, he's going to be on with us next week to tell us one way or another, and then we'll do a celebrity death pool update. So, yeah, I got uh, 32 points with uh, Krauthammer. I'm actually right behind you. So that puts me in fifth. You're in fourth, Frank. You've had two. Uh, Gooch wanted to know who you killed so far this season. Let me look it up real quick. Who you killed? Um, <laughs> I just like, put the put the onus on Frank. So in this particular season, I'm still hoping Cosby stresses the fuck out. Yeah, I got him like, on. Yeah, in this particular season, That's a good pick. Uh, That's Frank a good one, has right? scored with uh, Stephen Hawking. Yeah. And uh, uh, Tessa Jowell, the uh, British uh, former British politician, but on his roster, he's got a. Uh, Bill, we pick twenty. Is how it goes. Uh, he's got now. Bill, how many people are in this? Uh, uh, Ten. Okay. It's um, me. So two hundred people are in this poll. Um, are in this pool. Yes, but but you can have duplicates. Okay. Yeah, but it's it's more points if you have what's called a solo pick, which is the uh, the only one. Now we have a show league that has like two hundred people playing right. in it, but Stanhope's uh, his is like an invitation only. There's money involved. His is uh, a. <laughs> invitation only so there's 10 of us um and i brought frank in and boy you talk about a bunch of people getting pissed off because it's like it's it's you got to vouch for someone I to get him in you know yeah i know that's what Are i'm they, saying the third or something no this yeah. guy knows death dude yeah. trust me yeah. the, the funny thing is the funny thing is last year when i brought him in i had castro I, last year I was yeah that one. I, I vouch for him to get him in and the other funny thing too is like everybody's got like a uh like a handle you know like some funny like you know coconut shrimp booze kowski all these little names right and frank's is just frank mirror and it's his ufc headshot <laughs> <laughs> why not yeah um so uh no reason to hide it so frank's got let's see who uh who you got on deck here frank you got you got bill cosby bob barker charlie sheen Cher, harvey weinstein jerry lee lewis john mccain i have him too Joni Mitchell, Kamala, the uh, wrestler. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I heard about that, dude. Didn't he lose, like, both of his legs or yeah, something? Yeah, to diabetes. diabetes? Yeah. Bad diabetes, yep. man. Uh, Little Richard, Olivia Newton-John, Ozzy Osbourne, Ron Jeremy. Now, that's a recommendation. I got them because you. Ron is a guy who, before Ron had his heart attack, I would pick him in death pool, and nobody – he flew under the radar. Nobody else ever picked him. But of anybody that I know – Ron takes worse care of himself than anybody else I know. Oh, dude, I remember He's one in horrible shape. I remember one time we were uh, there was some skydiving thing we did we did down at uh, uh, the Hustler Club. I and can't there imagine was, he was obviously you were skydiving. jumping off the top of yeah, the Hustler Club. No, no, like they 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 blew us up in a plane and everything, right? So and then, uh, he, and then you had to parachute yeah, down. Yeah, the, they parachuted right the, down. They parachuted right down boy, to the thing. It was pretty wild. This this, this I mean this smacks of wacky. FM radio oh, stuff dude. right here. This is exactly. Like, they just go, they go like, hey, they grab me and my buddy Dennis from the radio oh. station. We're like, yeah, let's go do it. Fuck it. It's so, like WKRP's turkey giveaway. Dude, yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. So we walk in and dude, it is like seven in the morning and Ron is just eating this Chinese food yeah. that's like a night old. Like sure. it was there at the strip club since the nighttime. Do yep. you understand? He's like, been up all night. Oh. And it's not drug induced. He just, 
he won't sleep. He just sort of falls asleep randomly, eats whatever, eat and until it's gone. Right. I mean, just consumes his. He's like a Roman. It's like I need everything as much as I can all the time. Yeah. You know. Get uh get as much as I possibly can, Mikey. You never you were saying you never actually shot him on a porn set, right? No, never. You tried to get him for Jurassic Cock yeah, that one, one my, time. My boss, yeah, tried to get him in, but I think they were not shooting that website anymore. And plus, he was like not he wasn't shooting anymore. And just never yeah. stars never. Yeah, aligned. stars now, heard, did not align. I heard a rumor that he broke his dick. Is that a real thing? <laughs> well, <laughs> I think it's just because of age. But I've known not known. I mean, it, it's happened while I was in. In, in porn, like a guy broke his dick. Right. Yeah, my, even, my, Mikey's done. He's like a Vietnam vet that's done like well, three dude, tours. He's seen a lot. My <laughs> wife does makeup for Brazzers in Digital Playground. Well, oh, really? Now. Yeah, yeah. How so, about this? Dude, she has some horror stories. Oh, wow. Dude, like, do you want me to get into it? Sure. How graphic can some, we be? As graphic as you want. Some things makeup just can't cover up. Quick, all right. You know, break? Okay, he's all right. Here's, here's what's happening. We, uh, we started talking about uh, breaking dicks, and he's got to run to the bathroom he's like, Whoa, here. I got to check. Yeah. Pornography, and I'm running to the restroom. Yeah. All right, let's just keep. Can we just keep rolling while you're in there? Yeah. I'm gonna be gone that long. All right. Uh, so, so Frank is not Angie. Uh, what's up, Angie? Or no, Lisa. Oh. Oh, okay, I don't know. Okay, yeah, she uh, she works with uh, Brett. Brett. Okay, okay. Brett Brando, Brett Brando and and, yeah. uh, and Mello and, and all those guys. Okay. Yeah. Everybody's yeah. on a first name basis here. You know, I'm impressed. You know, I've heard, I've never met him, but I've heard of Brett, and I know uh, people who've worked for him. Like uh, our makeup artist for a while used to work for him, uh-huh. uh, Sarah Redhair. Okay, I don't know, uh, maybe not know her, but anyway, right, yeah. But I've heard of Brett, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's uh she's been there for a little. I think I want to say two years, and okay. um, yeah. So, but dude, you so you've been there. You know what? You know how they stop uh, periods, right? The oh, makeup oh, sponges. Right? Yeah, I got yeah. a story about that. The makeup sponge. Okay, so um, oh, you're just in when, time for a makeup sponge story. Okay, so was, Frank. Uh, so Frank, this is how they stop periods when there is a when there is a porn shoot. Like if a woman's on her period and she's booked, this is this is what they do. So you have a story. I, I have a story. Just done, right? No, um, you you know. No little, shit. Little yeah, you would think red means stop, but no, <laughs> <laughs> no. Keep going. Wow, really? Yeah. You know, like a makeup sponge. You yeah, a little triangle one. Yeah. Okay. That goes yes. up there. Yes. And um, so I used to live in the shoot. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. They so, plug it up, dude. Yeah. They plug it right up. And sometimes, I mean, sometimes the girls can't get it themselves. And they've asked. I've never done it. My boss has never done it. We've always, <laughs> But they say, hey, can you help me with this? And they just go, we go Where, where's the male talent? Like, no, yeah. he will help you. But anyway. Same I thing at the brothel, by the way. <laughs> we've had this yeah. happen before. Yeah. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. I guess I never thought about it before. Oh, yeah. I just figured that it was like you ain't got to have a girl not earn any money for a week. Well, yeah, but my thing is though is like these girls know when they're doing their thing and they're just like, you know what, I'm going to tough it out. No, yeah. think about the team. What the fuck, you know? What I mean? Rent well, especially too. because I mean, I'm assuming, I'm, I'm assuming correctly, right, that most of the girls in the adult industry are on the pill. Right? Uh, well, yeah. yeah. I mean, I'd say, and if a girl's on yeah. the pill, yeah. they can really. I mean. Or the shot. They, I mean, are they, or well, like I guess, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. They could do. Well, a, and that stops your period, right? Yeah, yeah. I just yeah. think it regulates it more. Well, I, I know the pill does. If a girl's yeah. on the pill, they regularly because I think, and this may that's shock one of the you. The advantage is being on the pill, from what I understand. I mean, I'm not, in that line of work and in the brothel line of work and things like that, a lot of times the girls aren't. I guess what I would call consistent 
in their their choices and their responsibilities. So even if, yes, taking that pill regularly at the same time every day will regulate that, doesn't mean they're doing it. You know yeah. what I mean? It's very haphazard. Mm-hmm. So okay. where were we? We were so, right in the middle of a good period story. I used to live in the shoot houses, so I would technically live in L.A., come to Vegas for two weeks, and I'd stay at the shoot house where we were shooting and then go back to L.A. Um, so one day I was getting up for work to shower, and I looked down in the shower. There's a makeup sponge, a rare, very <laughs> red yeah. makeup sponge. Maybe in, it was for clown makeup. Yeah, this, yeah. Oh. <laughs> but yeah, I know. And I'm like, who the f-? like? It was like, why? They're like, there's garbage cans. I mean, that's part. You know, we have oh. garbage cans, baby yeah. wipes. You know, gloves. I mean, you would think you would want to hide the evidence. Yeah, you know. I mean, yeah. she just took it out of the shower and just left it. My wife has a story where it was this woman, she was shooting and this sponge got stuck up in there for like about seven to 10 days. Okay. Didn't know what was going on. She's like, Oh, I got this pain. And then her boyfriend. And so I I could just imagine this (laughs) mental picture. She's like, she asked her boyfriend to take a look and then he reached up in there. And I mean, I guess this thing was deep in there and then he popped it out. And I mean, it's been in there forever. Okay. They can die that way, right? Yeah, yeah, it's toxic shock. Okay, I remember that. Okay, I'm trying to remember back to like sixth grade sex ed. You know, I'm like, wait a minute. If they get something stuck up there and you forget about it, I remember them telling girls that, you know, they were going to be on the, the, use the, uh, um, Fucking hand gesture. What am I trying to say here? Speculum? No, like you, know, you can use a pad or you can use tampon? oh a tampon. Tampon. Yes. Thank you. A tampon. It's like porno match game. <laughs> it's a uh, it's a, a pad. No, 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 no. A straight uh, tampon. Yes, yes, yes. It's got a string on it. Yes. So I know they always told you know the young in the class. You know, hey, you know, don't forget about you know toxic shock syndrome. You forget something up there. So Jesus. And then the other thing I'm thinking about is it like okay. Just like keeping a pair of socks on for too long, like, you know, as the body excretes bacteria mm. on a... Yeah. Okay, you know where I'm going with this, Oh, right? I know exactly Jesus going. Christ, what did that thing smell like? I, that's exactly... A piece of material up there yeah. rotting for fucking 10 days. Oh. Now, your your wife being a makeup artist, of course, she's going to have the little makeup sponge wedges as part of her tools of the trade. I mean, does she have to guard her supply? Because otherwise, she's got to be somebody like it'd be like having a pack of cigarettes in prison. I mean, they're just trying well, to bum them off. Of she her all she the time. buys she buys this shit in bulk, you know. Yeah. So I mean, like she comes she comes prepared, you know, because she's had it. She's like they're like I gotta. She's like fucking here's some here's mm-hmm. like three sponges. Get up. I mean, like yeah. she was telling me one time this girl jammed like five up there. I was like, really. And I'm like, did it come out in a shape or something? You know what I mean? Like, it's well, just... I mean, because, uh, I mean, through my... Like origami? Life, yeah, yeah, exactly. You have some ladies that have a period. I mean, and you can, you know, be, you know, be sexually active with them, and it's not that big of a deal where, you know, there are some... I remember sure. I had to go from, from a long time ago. Oh, here we go. You had to lay yes. a fucking towel down sure. if you were having sex during that time of the month because it was like... In fact, it was funny... Afraid your gun misfired. Yeah. Well, it was... It, you know, like you know, you know, it never fails. But you know, your wife will ask you about past partners. I remember one time that came up in conversation, like, mm. "Oh, you don't have a problem having sex while we're on the pier?" I'm like, "Nah, it doesn't bother me." I'm like, "In fact, my dumbass, mm. I was like, I dated this one girl, and I was like, Jesus, it was like a stuck pig, and I mean, yeah. like, fucking blood everywhere." <laughs> and she's looking at me. It was like, like that scene in The Shining with the elevator. Yeah, she's yeah. like, really, like a stuck pig. That's how you describe them all. <laughs> Well, yeah, I can see in hindsight now that might not have been the best analogy. You're like, whoa, no. whoa, whoa. Have you ever seen a stuck pig? <laughs> yeah. like, but in this that. situation, there was a lot of things why that made sense. 
Yeah. She wasn't the most svelte of ladies on top yeah. of that? No. Why not? Hey. Yeah. Now, how did you, uh, did you guys meet on the set when you were Mel Talon? Or oh, yeah, yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. I was like, I was plowing some chick, and I'm like, you know what? That's the one over there applying to make this. Yeah. Who's got respect for herself? No, yeah. I... Uh, I met her at a comedy show. That's how it was. Just looked at her, and I, I was I made some kind of a joke. And the funny thing is, is, I remember making some kind of a joke about trying to bang her. I'm like, I think you're so hot. Yeah, you know. I said I was being like creepy, and it worked out. Like oh, it's like yeah. it's like it's I like that no look three pointer you're fucking yes. around on. It's like it's yes. sunk. Holy yes. shit, dude! It's like I hope there's no I hope there's no real pervs listening going like, yeah. hey, I think this guy's. I'm gonna try this guy's yeah, method. I'm like no, dude. that cat calling bullshit actually. Yeah. See? see, tell me I'm creepy. Yeah, you can find love telling, blatantly telling someone that you want to have sex with them. You can find love that Look, way. you know what, though, helps? So I, 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 I just saw that this guy did this whole thing on, I forgot one of the websites I was on, and he was showing the difference between being good-looking and not being good-looking. So he set up mm -hmm. a Tinder profile, and he was like this male, you know, good-looking guy. And it would say the same exact shit on the same different Tinder profile of a guy who was not as hot. I mean, I'm just being like fucking like, you know, second line in. Like, oh, I was just I sit on my face. You're right? Yeah, yeah. And it was just showing how the girls were like, haha, okay, here's my number. And I'm like reading and I'm like, Holy fuck, women are just as shallow as men. You know? oh, dude, totally. You got a six pack and we're going, man. Dude, I got a story. Speaking of speaking of shallow how dudes how shallow dudes can be. So uh I had this situation happen. There was a fan, okay? She liked me on the radio, liked my stand-up. Now, this is maybe, again, like maybe eight, nine years ago. And uh, I'm doing this show. And the thing is, is, she used to come to the shows prior. She would give me these, like, pencil drawings, these color pencil drawings, right? And uh, she of would get- what? Yeah, like, well, one was of me and my sister. is something she got off of MySpace. This uh -oh. is how long ago this was, right? <laughs> yeah. So it, it seems like a different world, by the yeah. way. You know what I mean? But uh, Here's the two of us drawn together for eternity. Yeah, right? I'm like, thanks, <laughs> you know? And then one was like some leprechaun thing. It was weird. Yeah. But, uh, but she kept telling me about this oil painting she was doing. And, uh, and it was an oil painting of me and my two buddies. Again, another picture she got off MySpace. So finally she shows up and she gives me this painting. And I'm like, I'm, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm flattered. You know, yeah. like you took the time to make this. I'm flattered. And I, and I go to flip it over the back just to see. She's like, no, no, no. That message is only for you. And I'm like, okay. Because keep in mind, there's like me and my, you know, bunch of comics around and stuff when this happens. So I go, okay, well, I'm going to go give this. I'm going to go put this in my truck. I go to put it in my truck. I flip it around. And it says, uh, yeah, dear Brandon, uh, I couldn't. Uh, as I was painting this picture, I couldn't stop myself. I had to stop what I was doing. I had to masturbate, and then I put some of my vaginal cum on the picture. Oh. Okay, yeah, yeah. And then I'm like, here I am holding this cam this 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 picture with no gloves. You know what I mean? And right. I'm like, okay. And then I run back in, and I go, you got to get the fuck out. She's like, can I have my picture back? I'm like, I need to keep it for evidence. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I thought I thought you were gonna say you you ran up and shoved it under your comedian buddy's yeah, nose yeah. right away, right? <laughs> no, what, yeah. <laughs> Nice full circle. Oh, right. yeah. 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 There it is right there. You catch Richard Hunter. Catch Richard Hunter this Saturday, 1030, Comedy Day at the M. Yeah, 100%. It's, uh, uh, you know, radio, and I can say this because I've worked in radio. It is radio groupies. Boy, it, it especially for a rock station. Yeah, one time. Like, doing yeah. it for a rock station, it's a different level because. Yeah. You know, like if you do it for like the hip hop station or the dance station or whatever, you're going to get some, you know, 19, 20 year old girls like, you know, but like 
there's something about rock where it just doesn't attract like the hottest women. You know, go to any yeah. metal concert. Go to any metal concert. You'll see two hot chicks. You'll go, all right, all right. And then the rest, it's like they're in the mosh pit. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like, it's rough. And this is how bad it's gotten for me. Like when we did the the uh, the episode with Ricky Rocket a couple of weeks mm-hmm. ago at the Poison Show. Um, by the way, I don't know if you know this or not. It did, file this away in your memory banks okay. if you ever need it for on the air. But Poison's drummer, Ricky Rocket, is a jiu-jitsu black belt. Okay. And it's crazy because that band is notorious for getting in fist fights with each other, except him. <laughs> yeah. He's never Funny in the enough, fights. no one wants to fight him. <laughs> right? The guy that can kill everybody just sits back there and says, I try- Are we were going to play on Skitty Bob. Yeah. <laughs> I just start beating the shit out of each other. Yeah. But, him uh, and CC DeVille and yeah. Shawn Michaels. <laughs> or not Shawn Michaels. What is his name? Brett uh, Michaels. Brett Michaels, yes. And you're three-fourths of the way there. Who plays uh, bass? Okay, Ricky Rocket. Uh, oh, Brett, Mike, I mean, Brett Michaels. CC DeVille. Oh, damn it, man. I'm going to kill me. Go, what is Bobby it? Doll. God damn it. So we did, uh, we actually did a show in there. Uh, Real quick, just yeah. as a throwback. So I know this is fucking huh? way back. That argument you had with uh, Doug Stanhope. Uh-huh. Were you right? Yeah, of course I was right. Okay. Doug <laughs> tried to claim. Well, you want to talk about a guy getting out of his lane. Doug, who is a brilliant comedian, I don't know what got into him. That we we, we went down to Bisbee where he I'm lives. I'm gonna say booze. Well, and yeah, lots, a lot of lots booze. of booze. We and drugs? actually very impressed <laughs> that he kept it together yes. through the podcast because I'm watching him drinking, and I had a, a little bit of a drink, and I had a buzz, but. I know my limits of like, okay, uh, this is my feel-good buzz, right. and then I can still conduct myself and work, and that's the okay, that's the kind of buzz you have when you're in your backyard and you don't have to, you're not responsible for anything. Right. He went to the backyard buzz, you know what right. I mean? Like he was like, God damn, he's like writing shit down. Like I got to come back to that. I'm like looking at him. I'm like, and I kept looking over at everybody else. Like, is this normal? <laughs> yeah, well, is this normal? How you guys run this shit? Wow. And, and, and we're in we're in the bar that's in his backyard that he's had built. You know that yeah. that's how much uh Pink into it is and- right but he he for some reason decided to uh stake the erroneous claim that tommy shaw had been in night ranger and i said no Sticks. sir i said he's been in, now i said he was in damn Dan yankees, yankees with, with Ted jack Nugent. blades yes of night ranger yes. but that's as far as it goes he insisted and and i had to uh, you know Sometimes, sometimes you gotta straighten people out. Right. That's all. He could do it to me when it comes now, to comedy. Now, was this before you guys had phones and Google to figure that out? Like right no, away. It was like it was like <laughs> two months ago. You had convers. You had like 1989 conversation. Yeah. What? Yeah, it was like two months ago. Yeah. Um, but uh, what? Oh, I was just going to say though that uh, with with we were talking about radio groupies and that kind of stuff. One time, you remember Tom Likas? Yes. So do you remember? Do you ever hear Tom Likas? He was a syndicated personality out of L.A. Now, he had a lot of success in radio doing this, and it was a character. He did this character of, like, this misogynist guy. So people would oh, call him. he's one in, of the best ever. Yeah, he'd be one like, of the best and ever. he talked like this, you know, and it's like, I'm going to give you advice on how to bang the most chicks and leave them crying. You know, he was like that. He was like an over-the-top character. But what he really was was a his real passion was liberal politics and because i could remember it as a kid hearing him you see that on his twitter yeah yeah i remember as a kid hearing him in dallas and he was doing like am political talk but it was liberal stuff so you know that's not the yeah, market not for day, yeah. yeah and so he <laughs> went away and he just re-emerged as this other guy so fast forward a couple of years and we're on the same radio station together and he did a night show i was on i basically my show gave way to, to his so periodically we'd bring him in for personal appearances and stuff like that so one night we uh, I went to a, like a 
radio dinner thing with him, and we happened to be sitting next to each other, and he had rabid fans, right? And he'd sit there, and he he was always in sunglasses. And this uh, uh, guy comes up, and he's like, hey, Tom, like us. Hey, love you, man. Hey, I did what you said. I left my wife when she was pregnant, you know. And Tom just goes, he looks up, and we'd just been in the middle, by the way, of talking about border security. We were having this, like, totally right. intellectual conversation about that. And he has to stop that. He looks up at the guy, and he snaps into character, and he goes, ha, 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 like that. And then the guy walks off, and he just goes, ah. <laughs> And he looks at me, and he goes, I don't forget this. He goes, he goes, Richard, just remember, radio personalities are the absolute lowest form of celebrity. <laughs> he goes, think about this. No one in radio ever falls to a lesser medium of entertainment think about that he's like you have movie stars who go to television you know television go to right no one ever goes from radio to something else right. he's like this is as low as it'll get <laughs> and you're like and you're like okay well i'm gonna keep chasing my dreams <laughs> so full of hope absolutely all right well one more time good tell everybody where they can see us this saturday night uh you can catch richard hunter myself shang and neil nanda we're gonna be down at the uh, m resort for Comedy Mayhem at the M every single Saturday at 10.30. It's a free comedy show. Come on out and check it out. It's going to be a blast. You know, come out this Saturday night, Frank? Absolutely. All right. You my know man. what? You're on my guest list. Cool. Which, it's a free show anyway. But <laughs> well, hey, it's the thought that counts. It right? is the thought that counts. Uh, Frank, what, how can everybody follow you on uh, Twitter? Uh, you can hit stuff, me up man. on Twitter and Instagram, at your buddy Gooch. G-O-O-C-H is the, how you spell that name. That's it. Um, Frank, tell everybody about that Amazon banner on the front of phoneboothfighting.com. Why is that important? Well, you know, it's one of the very easy ways to help us out here at the show, by clicking on that Amazon banner and doing all your shopping for your wants and needs there. Anything you purchase, a small percentage of that goes back to us here at the show at no extra charge to you. Remember to go to ellefsoncoffeeco.com. My buddy Dave Ellefson from Megadeth has a line of coffee, and uh, he's very proud of. And uh, in addition to being an awesome bass player, he's also a really good coffee roaster. So if you go to ellefsoncoffeeco.com and enter the promo code PHONEBOOTH exclusively for Phone Booth Fighting listeners, that's going to save you 10% off at checkout. And hey, Frank, if uh, you're a fella, a low T nation. If man. you're in your 40s, if you're uh, feeling a little slower uh, than 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 you were back in high school, yep. and uh, you need to uh, turn back the hands of time, lowtnation.com. You call the toll free number. Uh, it is a free consultation over the phone with our buddies over there. And uh, yeah, what from there, from if you check off all the appropriate boxes and you're in need of their help, they'll send you to the uh, get your blood drawn. That way, a physician looks at it, finds out exactly what you need, and they can hit it right on the mark. And then at that point, they send it directly to your house, make it as conveniently as humanly possible to make sure you're consistent and so you get the best results possible. That's it. Also, tell everybody how to follow the show on social media, Frank. Uh, Facebook and Instagram, you can follow us at Phone Booth Fighting. And if you're on Snapchat or Twitter, it's Phone Booth Fight. That's it. Now, I'm going to try to DJ us out of this old school. Uh, old school that. with a yeah. real record player. Uh-huh. Wow. Yep, yep, yep. And uh, the way we're doing this uh, is a little DIY. But this is a band that I discovered at uh, Punk Rock Bowling. They were two of my best discoveries of the year uh, this uh, particular year here at Punk Rock Bowling. One was uh, Larry and his flask, but these other guys were all the way from Russia, the Svetlanas. Let's uh, let them take us out here. And we'll see you right back here next time on Phone Booth Fighting. Great job as always over there, Mikey.
Okay. <laughs>